I'm thinking I'm back. What's up, babies? It is Kayla. This is Screen Vomit. It has been a while since I've posted anything. Thank you so much for chilling, for waiting, for letting me know you missed me while I was gone. (laughs) I have been doing the hugest thing I've ever done in my life and uh, making history. No big deal. Um... I'm not sure how much I've talked about this on the pod, but I do run a LGBTQ group based in Elgin, Illinois. I founded it several years ago when I moved to Elgin in like 2018 or something like that. I started this group and we had started planning a pride parade. I kind of uh, got snowballed into doing this pride parade thing and I've never... um, I've done city events. I've done big events. I've never done something quite that large where I was the main guy for it. I've been on boards for music fests that are very large where I am just a member of a huge team. But I've never been like the guy. I did have my own music fest for a while, but I mean, it was like a DIY fest. So it wasn't something where I was like getting permits and like doing stuff official. I was like hell raising, you know, so this was just much more complicated. And uh, I also didn't have a huge team of volunteers to help me with this. I had kind of like three to five people depending on the week and who felt like showing up. Also, I did all this while not living there, which is an insane thing to do. Do not recommend doing that. That is so hard to plan a pride parade and festival for a city that you do not live in the state anymore. So I actually did it. Um, I did it. You can Google it. Uh, Elgin's first Pride Parade and Festival. I was all over the news. It has been challenging. It has taken uh, every ounce of everything I got. All my energy, all my time. But... It has also been so rewarding. So we did it. 4,000 people came. It went off without a hitch. No protesters, nothing weird. Just a lot of people out there celebrating. And there's lots of news articles where people on the street were interviewed and they said really nice things. So it seemed to mean a lot to a lot of people. And it means a lot to me. And that was a place where I lived as a queer person and couldn't find my community. So that's why I created it. So that's what I've been up to. (laughs) Um, And that's why I didn't have no damn ass time to be editing a podcast um, or recording or anything uh, or any possible thing besides doing that. It took all my time, truly. So anyway, all that to say, that's what I've been up to. That's why I've been gone. But I'm back, baby. I have had several episodes in the can that I just wasn't able to find the time to edit through all this. So I got some oldies that are going to be popping out. Um, And this is one of them. So I actually recorded this episode in September, TBT. It is now June. So it has been a minute. But you know what? Still good as hell. Um, But just to say it is a little old. And at the end of the episode, we're like talking about how barbarians in theaters and it is hella not in theaters no more. So that that's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up with me. That's what's up with the pod. Pod's going to be back, babe. So um, anyway, I love y'all. I do have a guest with me today. All that to say, there's my catch up. Here's what's moving forward. The guest today is an old pal of mine, return guest. He was on the pod, I don't know, a couple years ago doing Killing of a Sacred Deer. And now he is back babe doing another greek film another of that a uh, freaky greeky i am joined by tj jager 
who is a celeb producer, an absolute hard rocker. He has worked on BattleBots, American Ninja Warrior, Dancing with the Stars, all kinds of crap. So proud of him. I've known him forever since he was just a little tween in college, and now he's very successful. So that's so cool. I love to see him absolutely blooming out there in LA. He also is a hard rocker. Like I said, I met him in a band called House Olympics. He's now in a band called Auteur, and coming up he's got a new band he's working on i'm so excited to see they don't have a name yet but i don't know follow his instagram or something if you like rock and uh, (laughs) i'm just really excited for it so here's the damn episode so i did have an embarrassing moment because i walked by my neighbor's house And this cat was on their porch meowing at the door. And this particular neighbor, this was an all-black cat. And this particular neighbor has a garage that is painted with the face of a... It's got a whole black cat on it. It's painted huge, like a portrait. And so I go, well, this must be their cat. It's meowing at their door, just meow, meow. Let me, you know, looks like a homed cat. Doesn't look like all scraggly or nothing. So I rang their doorbell. The dude came to the door like, hello? And I was like, oh, hi, like, is this your cat? And he was like... No, that's the neighbor's cat. <laughs> and I just had to you be like, fucking idiot. Oh. <laughs> Why would you assume it's my cat? I was like, um, oh, sorry. He was just meowing at your door. So I didn't know if he just got out or something. Um, bye. <laughs> then I disturbed my neighbor for no reason. That's okay. I know. It is okay, actually. It's fine. But <laughs> it was a little embarrassing. But what's that cat doing? Why is he meowing at their door? Saying, take my face off of your mural. Meowl. <laughs> mural. I know. I was like, how do you get it in there? You could say, you could go with the mew. Some people do a mew for it, like mural. That's a little easier than trying to do meow. Meowl. 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 Okay, should we do this podcast? <laughs> yeah, let's fucking do it. I'm here with TJ. What's up? Hey. The return of TJ. When was the last time you were on? It was like More two like years. 2J. <laughs> hey. I am trying to remember the last time that I was I on. I think it was like two years ago. It was May, May 2020. Wow. We did it. So. 20, you know, times have changed, some would say, between now and then. And some would say not enough. <laughs> yeah. In fact, everything's gotten worse. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, pr- pr- pretty much. I was trying to think of one thing that had gotten better and I couldn't think of a single thing. <laughs> mm, nope. Since May 2020. Nope. I have a better job now. So for me personally, it's gotten a little better. <laughs> yeah. You're unemployed. So for yeah, you personally. worse. <laughs> I am, yeah, being unemployed. <laughs> I mean, by choice, though, kind of, so neutral, yeah. neutral. Or you're in between jobs, as they would say. Yeah. On TJ's Facebook, in the industry. It's called, it's complicated. <laughs> Job status, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, starting off goofy. Uh, okay, so unemployed, hmm, where can we go from there? <laughs> so, okay, so I met, I met you, TJ, my pal, for the normals. When you were just a young tween, mm-hmm. um, and in, in college, mm-hmm. for did you go to school for film? No, 
I went to school for journalism. Oh, okay. This was, but you were making films in school. Yeah. So I had to like find a roundabout way to make movies and stuff in college because mm-hmm. when I started going to school at Indiana University in Bloomington. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. We're both from Indiana. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they didn't have like a film program, like a, a film mm. school as part of their media school when I first started there. That they do now? They do now. Mm. It was like a couple years after I was already halfway down the road of my journalism degree they were like Mm. oh now we have film stuff so well that's fucked up yeah it was stupid so (laughs) instead of like actually getting to like have like a film degree i was like i'm gonna just like write do journalism and stuff and then like at the time all the film classes were listed under communications so i have a minor in communications i couldn't tell you a single thing about communications other than yeah film but that's what... uh, Would you have wanted to go just to film school if that was the choice initially? Would that have been what you'd done, you think? Maybe. Probably. Mm. Honestly, just because, you know, that is something that I probably, like, very much uh, idealized when I was, you know, like, at that point in my life, you know? These days, everybody says film school's bullshit, you don't need it, blah, blah, blah. But back then, nobody was saying that. Right. Big Mm -hmm. fuck going to film school. I I respect people who do it, like 100%. Like, I'm not trying to, like, throw shade at it. No shade. Yeah, no shade. I'm not trying to call people dumb for doing it or anything. (laughs) But, like, just from my own personal experience, like, just going to school for journalism and stuff and, like, finding Mm -hmm. a random PA gig through a Facebook post when I moved out to L.A. And they were just like, okay, you made some films in college just on your own, you know? Yeah. You don't need it to have a career that is film adjacent or film related. At least yeah. at least in like the like the area that I work in. Cause you know, like there there's other things. LA? Where, no, like like with like <laughs> writing or like producing and stuff like that. Like that's a lot of stuff that you yeah. can like learn on the job. Yeah. But I would say like, you know, if you want to work in like camera department or like learn or like be like a gaffer and like get like really good at like lighting stuff. Um, or even just like doing like sound and stuff like there's a lot of great film classes where you learn the basics of all mm-hmm. that stuff and you get like if you need like a technical skill yeah that might be different yeah yeah and it also like film schools and stuff you can rent out gear and like mm-hmm. film gear is fucking expensive so it's yeah. having that resource even though you know you're paying to go to school like at least mm-hmm. you get to like check out gear along the way as well hell yeah i don't know i i have mixed feelings about it which is why my resume is Sort of weird. Complicated? It's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) So when you moved to LA, what were you thinking you would do? I mean, you became a PA and now you're a very successful um, producer of reality television shows. Uh Multiple reality television shows everyone's heard of. Keep saying that. Keep Um, saying nice things about me. (laughs) Very successful, professional young man. But what did you, what was your goal when you moved out there? We've never talked about this as friends, by the way. <laughs> so, I mean, my, my goal, when I first moved out to L.A., I wanted to write, like write scripts, mm-hmm. become a screenwriter, get in writer's rooms, sell Hell screenplays. Yeah. And that's still what I want to do. Like, that's mm-hmm. still my end goal. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of gatekeeping out here in LA. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's very hard to get your scripts read by anybody, <laughs> like mm-hmm. even your friends. So I've been hearing even like people I know who are like a little bit celeb are having a lot of problems. And somebody just posted this article from Charlize Theron saying that she can't even get her scripts read. Then you're going, well, now we're really all fucked, right? Yeah. 
there's this like <laughs> false idea right now just because of all the different streaming platforms people are like mm-hmm. yeah more stuff is getting made than ever because like there's netflix originals hulu originals it's like mm-hmm. shut the fuck up like they have stuff getting made yes but like mm-hmm. it's still just so hard for a a normie person yeah who isn't isn't some celebrity's child like Mm -hmm. isn't like best friends with someone who is like a manager or an agent or has Mm -hmm. a shit ton of money yeah you know there's a lot of different ways that people do get their scripts read and stuff through like screenwriting competitions and Mm -hmm. you know just doing like cold call like inquiry emails and stuff to like Mm -hmm. producers and agents and stuff but like you know a lot of that stuff it's like such a long shot yeah so it's just sort of like that that's why i'm not doing that for a living it feels right. impossible, but it's something you would like to do. A hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. Do well, you spend any time writing still? Now? I do. Yeah. Cool. And that was a big reason that I am unemployed right now. It's because I got burnt out like with doing stuff in reality and everything. So I wanted to take more time to do my own creative endeavors. So like I went through, yeah. I have like a few feature scripts like under my belt that I've like written and finished some like shorts and stuff. And like, that's only like part of the battle, you know, is like having that yeah. stuff like ready. But then the other part is like, you know, being a salesperson about it and like being like, mm-hmm. hey, read my script. So, you know, like I still try to do a little bit of writing as much mm-hmm. as I can. Not so much right now, like at least like within the past couple of weeks, because I've been focusing on like musical stuff, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but DJ also a rocker, by the way. Professional rocker. <laughs> professional, successful uh, rock musician. <laughs> yeah, favorite band probably would have to go with uh, Theory of a Dead Man. Um, <laughs> I used to have a uh, I used to have a jacket of theirs. My really yeah, I went to I went to a concert with my family, and my mom bought me like a little zip up hoodie for them. <laughs> and I was, that like, rocks. I was like, fuck yeah, I, fuck I, yeah. I wore it to school a few times. What was their hit? Didn't they have a hit? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know a single song. Of theirs. Okay, Poser, name three of their songs. <laughs> Uh, I could pull it up on Spotify real quick <laughs> and pretend. I feel like they had one hit though, right? I was told that I needed to prepare to watch this movie, not and not prepare not on pre- Theory of a not Dead Man. Not prepare my Theory of a Dead Man <laughs> discography knowledge. Here are their top five uh, songs on Spotify: RX (parentheses Medicate), Ooh. "Bad Girlfriend," Ooh. "Angel," mm. "Bitch Came Back," "Bitch okay, Came got Back," storyline. <laughs> Hate my life. Hate <laughs> my life. storyline. <laughs> wow. So wow. I'm, I'm assuming the first song is like, you know, making making fun of or like throwing some sort of shade at like people who medicate to so make their problems albums. go away. Yeah. But then there's a lot of songs about hating women, it sounds like. So mm-hmm. you tell me. Literally, what is their hit? Who can say? If you know Theory of a Dead Man's hit, DM me. <laughs> so... A little side project that I am going to be, that I've been okay. talking to a friend to start doing, yeah, uh, is we want to start a butt rock radio station called mm. K-Butt, K- K-B-U-T-T, <laughs> five, five letters. Wow. <laughs> so First of them, my two initials. Um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like that should be my radio station, actually. <laughs> you could come on as a guest commentator, 100%. Hell yeah. But yeah, yeah or the, I'll DJ for an hour. Mm-hmm. The whole, uh, the mission statement of K-Butt is to mm-hmm. play the music of the people butt rock Mm -hmm. and yeah but like you know actually play the music and actually enjoy it and Mm -hmm. really seriously lean into it that's gonna be your new personality yeah well um old old dj can't come to the phone right now why he's dead (laughs) he's into butt rock on k butt (laughs) 
I've always been into butt rock. Hell I can yeah. ask my mom if I if uh, that theory of a dead man hoodie's still around at my parents' house. Oh yeah, you better be rocking that thing. Rock that theory of a dead man hoodie. Take your scripts around town. I'm sure it will bring you success. Yeah, I'm gonna just like knock on the fucking gate for like the Netflix building and be like, "Here's my script," the and they're just like, "They're like, wait a minute, is that theory of a dead man? Holy shit!" <laughs> fucking love that band. are, are you a tattoo. theory head <laughs> theory are you a deadhead I, I know that's a, i know that's the other band but we we, we we're, we're deadheads too uh, a tea dead a tea dead <laughs> a manhead i don't know i'm just trying to think manhead. of other <laughs> i like manhead are you yo are you a manhead dude huge <laughs> manhead over thing here. To say. um okay so where were we you're writing scripts. No one will read them. You want to be a screenwriter. Yes. <laughs> but somehow you slid in the back door into reality television. Yeah. Being number one guy in reality TV. <laughs> no, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess there's not really a question there. I just was interested in, I felt like probably you didn't move to LA with the intention of becoming number one guy in reality TV. So a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it, it's something I very much just fell into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, when I, when I moved to LA, I worked as a PA on just any random set that I could mm-hmm. get onto for about a year. Mm-hmm. And that shit, I remember some stories. Yeah. That shit, that <laughs> shit was quite difficult. Um, yeah. Cause you know, like they're, a lot of productions are not kind to PAs in the mm-hmm. hours that they work, the rates that they get paid. So yeah. as a result, they don't get They're a lot of, of money. sort of like the lowest tier. 100%. Right. And like, mm-hmm. and you know, there's just sort of like this idea of like, oh yeah, PAs, like you gotta, you gotta cut your teeth on, on these shows and you gotta like, you know, just mm-hmm. like sort of like you gotta put the time in, like pay your dues yeah. like as a PA in order to like move up. Mm-hmm. And I hate that like so much yeah i won't get too far into it but yeah like it, it, it's hard it's it's You're hard gonna refrain from popping off yeah excuse me as i hold myself from popping off real quick but yeah like holding pe- it in bottling it up saving for later like like, like a good adult man um, specifically yeah man no it's okay I, I go to therapy i talk about this with my therapist hell yeah um, but yeah like you know just a year of like working like really long hours sometimes on Mm -hmm. shows like a damn dog some would say like a damn dog some would say and Mm -hmm. just like yeah not getting paid very well and like and also just because pas are so expendable yeah you can get fired for the dumbest shit um or Mm -hmm. like you need to like find sort of like your group of people that keep bringing you back just because Mm -hmm. it's so hard to like find new networks of yeah as a pa just because there's like everyone's trying to be a pa like Mm -hmm. it's like very hard to at least just like start off so eventually after doing that for about a year one of my buddies his name is scott who is the singer of my band auteur Mm -hmm. combining band plug band plug (laughs) he works in reality tv he's like a producer oh wow random so he is (laughs) two guys in reality tv with a band called auteur I know, like what, how, how on the nose. It's just kind of funny. Carry on. But like, Scott and I became friends. We would hang out. We would like, you know, go to some like metal shows and stuff. We would like jam at his like rehearsal studio and everything. And like, Mm -hmm. just became like little like metal buds. Um, Yeah. I knew that he like worked in reality TV and everything, but like he never really was in a position to like bring me on any of his shows or anything just because Mm -hmm. he knew that I was, uh green as they say oh okay (laughs) 
Yeah. So basically it took a year to learn everything, yeah. like how to behave on set and not get fired for things. And like, just yeah, just kind of like become... After getting fired for things. Yeah. So after I got fired from a show... Um, <laughs> Because I broke the NDA because I posted oh, I posted a video on my Instagram story. Shout out to uh-huh. Brat TV. <laughs> um, yeah. They fired me because I posted a video on my Instagram story from like a, one take of a shot that we were doing, which like, you know, I was totally in the wrong. Like, I'm not trying to justify what I did. But the reason uh-huh. that, it, that it became such a big deal is because it like blew up overnight. Like there was some girl in the shot that was like some like 12 year old who had like millions of followers on Instagram, had these crazy mm. stalker fans who like ripped my shit off of Instagram and like posted it on YouTube and it got like tens of thousands of plays overnight and everything. And oh, like no. basically the next morning, the- You ex- went viral, but bad way. Bad viral. <laughs> like I got, yeah. I, I was a virus and- <laughs> I got a call from the executive producer the next morning and he was like, so TJ, uh, this happened. Uh, you can't come back to set. And I never heard mm-hmm. from the member again. So damn, but I was fine because then but you learned your lesson. <laughs> I learned my lesson as in I made my Instagram private. <laughs> I still post <laughs> shit, but only Don't say that, I still post shit. <laughs> <laughs> but DJ would never post shit. But only, but I I know what stuff to post. Like I don't post spoiler type stuff. Like yeah. I did learn my lesson. But yeah, basically mm-hmm. after doing that, like then around that same time, like Scott was like, "Hey, like, do you want to come work on this show? Like, do you know how to edit in like Avid and stuff?" And I was like, "Nope, but I'll learn over the weekend." And yeah. I did, I got on this like fucking History Channel show about trucks. <laughs> it was called Truck Night in America. <laughs> And it was this, um, yeah. it's this amazing show about- Watch the show about truck nuts and learn how to edit. <laughs> truck nut in America. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, li- I literally learned how to show. edit on that show. <laughs> Write that show, Truck Nut in America. <laughs> Go on. I told you I wanted to get truck nuts for my hybrid, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I want to get like the lowest, longest truck nuts I can find. So they can just fucking like drag they on the drag ground. drag on the ground. Like fucking shooting up sparks and shit. <laughs> Like, how fucking oh funny gosh. would that be? <laughs> to that extent, maybe it would be funny, but you'd probably get pulled over for, like, road hazard or some shit. Yeah. And you'd probably beat up the damn roads, and you know the roads already have their issues. Yeah, I would get in trouble for fucking teabagging it's the like- street. <laughs> without consent <laughs> it sucks because truck nuts are like low-key so funny but like they're also like literally the worst thing like you know only the worst people on earth have them like to the extent that you really can't even have them ironically you know what i mean but that's the thing we have to take them back take back the truck <laughs> we have nuts to reclaim nuts <laughs> Reclaim these nuts, <laughs> TJ's platform. <laughs> Reclaim these nuts. Nuts to the I'm people. I'm doing good with this. <laughs> what was the other one I said? Truck nut. Truck nut in America. Truck nuts in America. <laughs> Truck nut in America, uh, colon, reclaim these nuts. <laughs> For the people. I Is that going like to be the name of the episode? Okay, I had to write, had to take a pause to write that one down. Okay, we should probably get into this movie. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay, the movie that was selected for this very day is the 2012 Greek absurdist comedy L. Just the letter L, 
nothing else to it. Um, TJ doing the L on the forehead, finger and his thumb in the shape of an L on his forehead. Oh, I I see what you're doing. I get it now. Okay, so this was on my list, I believe. But had you heard of this before or anything? No. Yeah, so you knew nothing about it at all. I, I really didn't know much about it either. This was like something that was like a suggested watch thing on canopy when i was watching something else or looking something else up and it was like a for you thing that was going to be one of my questions like where the fuck did you find this movie (laughs) i'm trying to cuss a lot because you said in the email cussing is cool so cussing is actually so cool i am actually love when people come on here and cuss (laughs) well because it's like people will ask me like oh no i said shit is that a crime and i go I don't give a fuck. So you had to put in there cussing is cool. But then also it's a double catch 22 because if you write cussing is cool, people go, they said cussing. That's stupid. So <laughs> I like cussing. <laughs> I think cuss is a great word. I think the word cussing, it's way funnier than swearing. That's what I say. That's literally on record. Me having said that like four episodes ago. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyway, this is also a film that it was about to expire from the screen vomit list because I only do last. 10 years so at the end of this year I'm not gonna be able to do 2012 films no more but I just I had seen the synopsis of this and it just sounded so fucking insane I knew nothing about it except that I had read the little synopsis that's on canopy.com app and went from there (laughs) but I'm really glad you picked it and actually it's sort of um serendipitous that you did as we'll find out here in a moment I guess I'll just get into the little crew here this is directed and co-written by Babis Macritus babies all right you're gonna have to bear with it me looks on these like Greek ass names. It does look like babies. When I'm typing in L Babis on Google, it's like, do you mean lost babies or you know what? And we're going, no. So this film is kind of hard to look up. That was the thing that originally. Remember, mm-hmm. I texted you. I was like, I'm down to watch this movie, but I don't know if I'm you gonna be able find to find it. it. And then Kayla. <laughs> fucking finds it in like three minutes is like here's four different websites you can watch it on i'm so. i'm sort of a film sleuth i'm famously known for being a film sleuth i can find any film <laughs> just about it's i do have a you're... small list of films that i can't find but i'm really good at finding films yeah that's a good trait to have if you're doing a film podcast so it is and also just being a little freak who i'm like sort of obsessed with like these weirdo indie films like too weird for tv you know what i'm saying <laughs> such as the one that we watched today probably but mm-hmm also just you know in general so or ones that are just made by like i don't know some comedian in brooklyn or something who put it online 10 years ago and now i want to find it um (laughs) i am just it's fun i think it's fun to watch films that you have to work to find (laughs) yeah a hundred percent like i i say this with like no sarcasm like i (laughs) never would have probably heard of this movie or even seen it had Mm -hmm. you not invited me to come do this podcast so like it it's a very awesome thing that you're doing yay yeah and you know i love to spread the joy of uh strange films that no one's ever heard of (laughs) give them a little light of day this one is so it seems i mean this was like a sundance film uh in 2012 this was the first ever greek film to make it to sundance oh so it is that is like kind of a huge deal but that having been said there you can almost not find this online like you can't find articles written about it hardly i found only a handful it doesn't have enough rotten tomatoes ratings to have a score 
it doesn't <laughs> like there are not enough ratings on anything for it to have a score except for Google users. But I don't know that those are even like I don't know how many Google users have to like vote on something before it allows it to be a score or how the percentage is determined. You mm. know what I mean? Because it yeah. just goes by percentage of a thumbs up or thumbs down. I mean, it could be three people have voted and it's at 51% now, actually. So that's actually really bad. But that's the only score we have online to go by. 51%. Letterboxd has 11 people have rated it and it has a median of three stars out of five. So generally it's mid i mean it's not for everyone it is a greek weird wave film so it takes a particular taste let's say so <laughs> this type of movie i was trying to read about this movie and i kept seeing that greek weird wave what what mm-hmm. i mean i feel like it's kind of self-explanatory like especially after seeing the movie <laughs> but i wanted to ask you like if you have some more intel yeah on yeah it. so it's kind of like a I don't want to say movement. It's like a film genre doesn't feel right either. Genre. Group classification <laughs> genre. There was this boom of like these weird, like surrealist or maybe even a little absurd, kind of twisted, sort of dark Greek films that all just like exploded between probably like 2008 or so and kind of still going. But that's kind of when it started booming, I guess. 2008, 2009, something like that. Dogtooth. Have you seen Dogtooth? That's your Lanthimos. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, no. Well, you should, because first of all, it's amazing. But secondly, it's, I think, considered one of the pioneers of that film movement. There's another movie called Attenberg that always comes up that's also considered one of the pioneers of that. Anyway, it's just these like weird Greek movies. They usually explore some kind of like political or cultural issue in like a twisted and fucked up way. <laughs> I believe it. And they're generally like very beautiful. They're more of like art films, less of like they're not normal in any way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yorgos Lanthimos is like a big director who is like all his movie, maybe not all of them now, but all of his early films are considered part of that. I think and um, so then shout out to our last episode when we did killing of a sacred deer yes so killing of a sacred deer also i would say is included even though it's english language it is still made by yorgos and yeah that's the the last episode that we had tj on was for killing of a sacred deer but actually why i said it's serendipitous is because here we go with the greek name Ephthemus Philippou, who co-wrote Killing of a Sacred Deer and actually most of Yorgos Lanthimos' early films, also co-wrote this film. Oh! So it's actually so random that uh, we got the same guy who co-wrote that film on this and same cin- cinematographer also nice. did this film and and that film and a lot of Yorgos's films the other thing about the Greek weird wave is that there's a lot of cross-pollination you know the same people are working on with each other in each other's movies yeah. um it's more it's it really is kind of like a community of like kind of punks like a community of like Greek punks <laughs> who are like anti-government or maybe not anti-government necessarily, but just socially conscious, I guess you would say. Yeah. Typically lefties, a lot of their stuff is queer, you know, cool shit. All the cool people. Um, so they work on each other's stuff a lot. And uh, this is another example of that. Beautiful. Also, the main guy in this film, Eris Servitalis, he's also been in a bunch of uh, Yorgos Lanthimos films. So same deal. Cross-pollination there. I picked this on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> I, I knew all that. So like I this thing that's like so crazy that I knew literally nothing about this film except that I had read the synopsis and that's it. You also knew literally nothing about this film. But then we're still drawn towards this film that's so connected to the last film that you did on the podcast. Like I how know. random is that? Very random. That's just kind of cool. TJ's coming on the podcast being random. <laughs> just being LOL random. Lowercase X capital D. <laughs> Give the kids a rar, TJ. Rar. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, okay, TJ's going to read us a plot sum for this film. Go okay. for it, TJ. Plot sum. A man lives in his car. He's 40 and separated from his wife and kids who live in a different car. They meet in parking lots. A professional driver, the man delivers honey to a narcoleptic man who often dreams of his friend who was killed when a hunter mistook him for a bear. Frequently late delivering honey. The man is fired and his driving skills are questioned. Thrust into existential uncertainty, he abandons, quote, car life and joins a rogue motorbike gang. Hell yeah. So you can see why upon reading this plot summary, I was intrigued, <laughs> to say the least. See, I I didn't even like read any plot summaries when I picked this really? movie. I watched the trailer and oh, okay. the trailer doesn't really give much of that. You see him okay. you see him driving in his car a lot, uh-huh. but like that's the trailer really doesn't tell wow, you that's much of that. Yeah. So I have still have not to this day watched the trailer. So I have no idea what the trailer is even like. So our initial like what we were drawn to about this film is absolutely opposing things like totally different experiences sounds about right that rocks i was thinking you probably read this and you're going what the hell this thing sounds crazy but you didn't even read this no that's amazing i just saw a trailer (laughs) and i was like all right (laughs) looks cool you had no idea what you were in for watching the trailer i mean like it almost gives off like similar to killing of a sacred deer um Mm -hmm. sort of like a weird slow burn horror type of vibe Mm. you know there's like the scene where his friend is like holding the arm and stuff and then like Mm, where he's mm -hmm. like yelling in the car like some of like the big highlight moments feels a lot more um there's a lot of things going on like in the trailer the trailer like looks like it's fucking moving and like shit (laughs) is just like hitting the fan which it does in this movie but like Mm -hmm. i would not call this movie horror by any means no it's comedy if anything i think yeah, it's funny. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, no, I there there were times I was watch like when I was watching, I was just like, I, I caught myself laughing at just like the weirdest shit. Also, yeah. like not really related to the movie itself, but I, I ended up watching it on Plex and Plex mm-hmm. was the free one where it has the ads. And when yeah. I tell you that the ads came up during the worst possible fucking times, <laughs> like it would be mid scene, like in the middle of a scene. That's like, how they do it. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Like <laughs> literally... Rocks. One of the ads I got was for Indiana University, actually, which is really? kind of which is really weird. I don't okay, know why they're I don't know why they're doing you. that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I do not give Facebook permission to sell my data. By the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I also. <laughs> you have to you have to say it word I for word. I do not give Facebook <laughs> permission to use my photos or data for any reason without my permission. There you go. So you're safe now. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, so popping into this film. So we start with this man. This man who exists in a car, like truly exists in his car, never leaves the car. I am always intrigued by like a one-room movie. This is like sort of a a really interesting take on a one-room movie though. Even though he's not there the whole time, he's in this car for 
the first like 47 minutes or something. Yeah, 47 minutes. I literally wrote it down. I did too. <laughs> 47 minutes he's in this Insane. car. He, he never, he does not get out. He does not stand up. He does not leave this car. He sleeps in the car. He eats in the car. He hangs with his friends in the car. Yeah. They have birthday parties in the car. Everything is in the car. I, I also took note that 35 minutes in, he moved to the passenger seat. So moved that was, seats. That's the first time that he like changed. Yes, but also I think what I noticed is that the only time he's not in the driver's seat is when he is dreaming. And I think that that oh. was part of a dream sequence. And any other time that we see him in the passenger seat are times that he's dreaming and he's with his dead friend. He's always dreaming. And that's also that can be also metaphorical because it, he's not conscious. He's no longer in the quote unquote driver's seat. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you want to get all art about it. <laughs> but that is something I noticed. I'm going to be honest. I did not even make the connection that that dude was dead until mm-hmm. probably like halfway through the movie. I was like, I was like, why is his friend bloody? Like what? <laughs> like, what is up with that? Well, here's the thing. Do you know that there are two friends? I know that there's two friends. Okay, because there's because the men look very similar they, in this yeah. film to the extent that I had to watch and rewatch because I was like I can't tell the men apart even when I was looking <laughs> when I was looking up like on IMDb their like pictures and stuff I'm like I don't know who was the main guy I can't tell because they all look the same <laughs> yeah it could be this guy with haunting eyes and a mustache it could be this guy with haunting eyes and a mustache. I don't know. Any one of them. (laughs) Just very Greek looking dudes. Yeah. And I I already kind of struggle with like face blindness. So it was hard for me. Um, But I I feel like I've mostly figured it out. There's one part where I'm still a little iffy, but we'll get to that. (laughs) But the one room of it all, I do think it was cool to... So even though he's in this car for so long, it doesn't feel... Because of the way it's filmed... It doesn't feel claustrophobic, which I think is more the intent of most films that are one room or one location. It's like they're supposed to feel like the walls are closing in on you or whatever. But because we get so many shots of the outside of this car being in these like vast, like gorgeous, scenic routes, areas, mountains, ocean, you know, just these like beautiful zones from the outside, big old wide shots. It still feels like very, I don't know, airy and gorgeous somehow, which is kind of like a really cool thing if you're yeah. making a movie with one character who lives in a car. <laughs> yeah, that that's like 100% like one thing that I wanted to bring up, which is like I was very impressed with that. Like I was very impressed with mm-hmm. just like the way that they shot this movie because because mm-hmm. yeah, it's like going back to like our earlier conversation about like film school and stuff. One thing mm-hmm. that like you kind of learn in film school is like just being able to like take advantage of like what you have yeah you know so like this feels like a movie where they had a car sometimes mm-hmm. two cars like you know their car budget wasn't very big <laughs> yeah and, you know, and they're normal car like we're not talking like bmws or some shit they're like i don't even know what these are like a volvo uh, or yeah, something one was a volvo and just like <laughs> was it really that was a it guess. was it was <laughs> i used to date someone who drove like a 1990 volvo and i was like it kind of looks like that yeah so I was right, I guess. Yeah. But like (laughs) being able to like use that and then also like, yeah, just like taking advantage of like having the beautiful Southern 
Greek highways and mm-hmm. stuff, just like having that like yeah. scenery. Like, yeah, like if if that's the part of the world that you live in, mm-hmm. shoot it and make it look good. Hell yeah! And they probably saved so much money on like set design and props and shit. Yeah, <laughs> <too>. <laughs> yeah. And and they also yeah, in that way, it's kind of set in one location, but also many locations. It's set inside a car, but the car is in the world. So. Yeah. Best but their locations worlds. they don't have to design. You know, one thing that the that the car was missing though, hmm. truck nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that car had truck nuts the whole time. We finally like see the a, back um, of it. <laughs> or like a air freshener that's like a titty lady or something. Yes. <laughs> oh man, when he goes ramming his car into those two poles, it gives a rear shot of just the nuts um, <laughs> slamming. <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. Every shot, even when it's not like in this beautiful countryside, the framing and the just everything about the way this movie looked, I think, was really gorgeous, too. Yeah. Some of these shots were incredible. Mm-hmm. One thing that I didn't like, though, was the sound. Mm. Like, a lot of the sound in the movie really... Some of the sound was weird, right? It fucked with was me Was the lot. car noises weird for you? I hated the car noises. Yeah. Like, I'm and, like, and, what was going on there? And I feel like that's just the challenge of shooting an entire movie in a car. Like when they're actually mm-hmm. driving around and stuff, like making it not sound just like overwhelmingly terrible, just like with the engine mm-hmm. going and everything. It's tough. It, it kind of seemed like that they were doing some sort of like sound dampening, like probably in the editing mm-hmm. is sort of the because like sometimes it sounded like a just like an airplane going overhead it did not sound like a car yeah or when the bikes are around the motorcycles it didn't sound like motorcycles yeah whatever noise was happening it didn't sound like the noise that should have been happening (laughs) yeah and and, you know i i wrote the sound like i didn't know if it was just because because i i was using my headphones when i was i thought so too but i watched it on two devices so that i (laughs) checks out then yeah yeah it checks out because there were sometimes Mm -hmm. too like in the later half of the movie when like they were like a lot of the audio was like super echoey, like the dialogue and stuff. Like it just, mm-hmm. it just sounded like someone was like talking and the sound was like bouncing back. Like, so yeah, that part was like kind of like, you know, just like from a technical standpoint, that kind of bugged me a little bit. But like, yeah, the dialogue stuff I could deal with, but the car noises were very distracting to me, like that it sounded so strange. I'm like, what is going on? And like you said, I'm like, is my TV busted? Like, is this a weird stream? Like, what is happening with the car noises sounding so fucked up? It was that was really distracting to me. Mm-hmm. The, the dialogue being or like the sound of the dialogue being a little off. I I can deal with. I mean, this is clearly like a low budget film. Right. <laughs> but the car noises were so literally strange. Another thing I liked about him being in his car all the time is that we get those moments of him. I am going to jump around just a tiny bit here at the beginning. Yeah. We get those moments of him throughout the movie, like talking to himself, repeating conversations he's had, mm-hmm. making strange noises or just like randomly yelling when he's alone. Yeah. You never see that represented. Almost never. Whenever people are talking to themselves in a movie, it is 100% of the time in a mirror. They're talking into a mirror. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You I, never I just so. see someone in a movie like walking around like how I believe all people do, right? You just walk around, say random shit. You have half a conversation with yourself out loud. You make a weird noise. You sing part of a song. Whatever you're doing, you're making noise out loud. It's probably, I would guess that it's probably really hard to capture in a 
authentic way because that's what i was that is, kind of thinking yeah you know when you're writing a, a movie like you know there's just that idea that everything that you're writing it needs to be like pushing the story forward like need to, to be pushing yeah. the plot forward like what, whatever that may be you know at least that's sort of like what is sort of taught when you're like taking mm-hmm. screenwriting classes or whatever that like that it's all fine real estate every inch of every page you know mm-hmm. and like this movie does it so well where it's like it's the whole idea of like showing and not telling where mm-hmm. talking about like the scene where he is like talking to himself, like practicing the conversation, you know, mm-hmm. where he's like about to have with like the guy at the honey farm or whatever. I feel like a shittier writer could have like just like had him like be sitting in the car and he could like be talking to himself like, I really got to nail my my job yeah. performance tomorrow. So I, I need to practice this. And then he starts talking, you know, mm-hmm. but like people don't talk like that like people don't give exposition in their normal lives so i feel like people also don't practice their conversations into a mirror yeah or their delivery of lines yeah like they do that in movies so much it's like one of my top pet peeves is people practicing how they're going to deliver a line into a mirror that is not something that people do maybe actors i don't know but not normal people (laughs) yeah 100 (laughs) percent (laughs) <laughs> so I'm I'm like I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of those scenes like that. Yeah. Him like and sometimes he's just like sitting there and just like making like ba 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 ba. You know, it's like making like a noise or whatever. People do that. You know. Yeah. Some people, not me, because I'm normal, but other people would do that. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely don't ever make weird noises, ever. <laughs> I've never made a single noise. <laughs> These are my first Except noises. In my example. <laughs> The first peep you're getting out of my ass. (laughs) I just, I really appreciated that about this film. I just thought that was great. Yeah. And like, it's a good way to keep it entertaining too. Mm Because it's also, it could have been really easy for the movie to be like a lot more boring if you don't have Mm -hmm. those moments. Because Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's, that's also a very normal part of life is just like silence you know like Mm -hmm. when i work from home you know like sometimes i'll just be like on slack and whatever like doing my thing all day and it's suddenly two o'clock and i haven't said a word to anybody you know Mm -hmm. that's like normal and that's life but that isn't necessarily entertaining for like a movie so Mm -hmm. you know if someone wants to watch an entire movie that's like totally like silent like no dialogue like cool but Mm -hmm. i like seeing those weird moments and like that yeah yeah like it, it says a lot about the character and it just says and it just like helps, you know, just like keep your your ears and your brain focused. And I think especially in a movie such as this that is so like absurd in many ways and really like out there a lot of the time, I think something like that is really grounding. Like that is a time where you go, I can see myself in this guy. Yeah. This guy who is weird, who lives in his car, who sleeps in his car. You're taking a picture of me right now. Yeah. Are you on Be Real? <laughs> no. I'm confused by Be Real. Be Real's fucking stupid, but like me and my roommates <laughs> all have it. So it's literally just like you get one notification a day and it's like time to be real. And then mm-hmm. you just like post what you're doing. So I figured and I just got it. So Hell yeah. recording a I'm freaking podcast. I'm also horrified by, I mean, you can post that, but I'm horrified by posting pics of my face <laughs> too much. So I don't think I'd love that to have that. Totally fair. Don't know that. What was out. I saying? I want to know. I, I want everyone to know. Add me on Be Real. My name is Simp Four Shades. Anyway, we what got off track. We did. Yeah. So the, having a movie that's so strange with something that's so real where you can see yourself in this character who is often really strange, lives in his car, never leaves his car, has like a weird job, 
like everything about this movie is so strange that having something so real I think is really grounding to the film also I think it really serves the film yeah because it 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 definitely helps because yeah like the whole the whole scene or like the whole idea of like his job with like Mm -hmm. delivering the honey and stuff it really threw me for a loop like watching it Mm -hmm. because I was just like this job is so serious like everyone involved Mm -hmm. it's so serious but like I just did not pick up on it. I did not pick up like what was the the point of the honey, mm-hmm. who that guy was, like any of that. Like it all just kind of like the number of times that I just wrote IDK in my notes watching this movie <laughs> is like insane. <laughs> I mean, it's meant to be absurd anyway. So, you know, you got to leave a little bit of just this is a weird world. Things are going to be a little weird. Yeah. But there was a couple things going on with that. I mean, you talk about how it was such a serious thing. Okay, so let's just say, first of all, what his job is plainly is that he drives through all these beautiful countryside of Greece, stops at a farm or something somewhere and asks a guy for one single jar of his finest honey Mm -hmm. and then brings it back and delivers it to this man who we presume is narcoleptic because he is always asleep on the ground when he arrives like in the middle of a task even like he's holding a hose one time i love i forget what he's doing that was such a great way to introduce him yeah he was great but so he delivers this single jar of honey to this man but it is all very like orderly it's very serious i read an article that compared it to underworld type jobs that are usually really cool in movies like he has driving gloves like sort of like a professional killer and he's like going to do regular like pickups of like quote unquote merchandise right. you know from a for a mysterious buyer and um that person even referred to their there's like a sort of script that they go through a couple times of the whole like I like your jacket is it warm enough oh yeah it has a nice lining or something something along those lines they say that multiple times yeah and this person was also saying that that could be a sort of like elaborate password too right so that it's like sort of like a secret code that he has to go through and it's so like when you think of it that way it just makes it seem even sillier like here's my secret job i have to go and say the secret code and get this one jar of honey to bring across town and you know it all has to be done like in such a manner but i just think that makes it like really fun to think about yeah i definitely agree with that and Mm -hmm. you know just the fact that it is like honey it's just such like a sweet delectable Mm -hmm. like innocent thing you know well you know what the guy said i love the the one part where the guy was saying like honey it's it's like nothing else like I could have an apple, an orange, a banana, whatever. I'd still be having a piece of fruit. But honey is just honey. Yeah. And for this, we must respect We it. must respect honey. <laughs> and we're talking respect. We're talking Italiano. We're yeah. talking the mob, baby. <laughs> There's probably Greek mob. Is there? There's got to be, right? I'm sure there is. Greek mafia, slide into the DMs. Let me know you exist. <laughs> Tell us the password. I love that little piece of dialogue. Although honey, for me... I think honey is so gross. Yeah. But I do. Yeah. Well, I just think the whole concept of honey is gross. What I want, something come out of a bug's ass? Like, that doesn't sound appealing. Bugs have walked all over this, shitted out their ass, and now I'm going to eat it? (laughs) I wouldn't do that for anything else. That's fair. That's fair. You know? And I think it just tastes kind of gross. I just don't like honey, but I do have a spoonful of it in my coffee every single morning because I was told it helps with allergies. Is that local true or not? Honey. I'm not sure. Yeah, I local honey specifically. I do buy local honey for that purpose. I used to eat is a lot true? of- Is uh, that true? Is it placebo? I'm not sure, but I do it every day. 
<laughs> I used to eat a lot of Honey Nut Cheerios when I was a kid. That was my favorite I did cereal. Too. Mm-hmm. So big, big honey fan over here. Yeah, no, I hate honey. I think it's gross. I think the concept of it's gross. The taste of it's gross. I can hand. I always buy the kind of honey that's like coagulated. It's like almost a solid. You know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. the like juicy kind, because I feel like that has less of a taste to it. Okay. But yeah, not a honey guy. But I did. I thought his speech about honey was funny. It was funny. There's lots of funny stuff in this film. Um, it's funny. It's silly. Yeah. But it's all. It has that same like deadpan delivery That's, that we yeah. talked about in uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer too. Right. Like, they have that weird deadpan thing going on. And that mm-hmm. I think that's just what makes it all just so. That's where the comedy like really hit for me was just a lot of the dialogue, like the way that he talks to his kids, mm-hmm. the conversation that he has with his friend about like naming his boat. You know, he's mm-hmm. just like, "Will you ever come on the boat?" I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, "Damn, dude." <laughs> Be, be a better friend. Go on the damn boat. Yeah. A lot, and some of them are like, I mean, it's so deadpan that you can almost miss how funny some of the stuff in this movie is just because it's it's almost like not acknowledged. You know what I mean? They just say stuff, they move on. But sometimes it's so funny. Yeah. I love the the scene where he was like teaching his, his like son how to drive. And like, mm-hmm. you don't even realize that it's that he's teaching him to drive at first. I don't think. Because yeah. it like it cuts from him in the car to then the car driving, and then you don't. Then it's like revealed later that his son's in his yeah. lap, you know. So then, like as he's like driving and he's just like talking to himself, then the like one of the first things that he says, like when the car stalls, is just like that was a mistake, <laughs> you know. And then that gets so much funnier when you realize it's yeah. him scolding his kid, like yeah, just trying to learn how to drive. Yeah, let's talk about the kids. So he has a sort of I'm assuming like either an ex-wife or someone he's separated from. Mm-hmm. Because they don't live in the same car yeah. anymore. Different cars. <laughs> and he gets visitation with the children. But for all intents and purposes, it appears as though the wife and kids do also live in a car, a separate car, right? There's no proof that they have a house. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And every time he meets up with them, they meet in the same parking lot. He even like <laughs> drives from having his window equal to the driver window to having his window equal to the backseat yeah. window he <laughs> drives a little forward because he never gets out of the car so that was funny so yeah he picks the kids up from there every once in a while there's not really any clear notion of time in this film but and has his little visitation i did think one of the first scenes with them is so funny but actually the funny part is introduced earlier so the music the soundtrack to this movie is what I'm going to get at. Okay. Beethoven Moonlight Sonata. Many yeah. people know this song uh, historically, I think, known as one of the saddest songs ever made or something. It always, <laughs> it's just like a very sad, emotional, like, song. But the first time it's introduced in the movie is when they're having a birthday party in his car. Everyone's in the car for the party. And then I think it was the wife that goes, yeah, put on some music. Like, we're all partying. We're having a great time. And he puts on this Moonlight Sonata. And then that song continues to be, I think it's the only song in the whole movie. I think But it plays constantly. It plays all the time. And sometimes it's played for comedy. And sometimes it is played for more of an emotional moment. So I just think that's kind of genius to take the saddest song in the world and then make it funny sometimes, but also make it sad sometimes, but also use it so much. And it, to me, it didn't feel repetitive. Like it was always interesting the way it was presented. There's another movie called Force Majeure that uses the same song in the whole movie. And I wanted to kill myself by the end of the Uh. movie. (laughs) The same, like, 
I don't even know. It's another like orchestral song, but it was so annoying to hear it so much. And I never felt annoyed by this. Yeah, I think the soundtrack, it matches the overall vibe of this mm-hmm. movie, which is just <laughs> like the the minimalism of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're, you're using the same set over and over and over again, like in the car and yeah. stuff. But you're tweaking other things like where the car is, like how you're shooting it. Like, is it mm-hmm. a part of a dream? Like all yeah. these sorts of things where it's just like, again, it's the same thing of like really just like milking your resources for what it's worth. And like, you know, oh, using, yeah. using a song that is in the public domain and I'm sure they didn't have to pay any money for And actually it's like a recording that is homemade. Like it's not like some professional, there's fuck ups in the song. Yeah. Like there are restarts, you know, it's like a, poorly recorded version of this song that somebody probably made so they don't even if it is in public domain i'm not i don't know but they didn't have to pay the musician for it probably it's just like somebody who knows how to play piano that they recorded doing it yeah which makes it even funnier too yeah then sort of like the the question of whether or not the music is like diegetic or not comes into play because like you know the music is like uh you know he ha- I think he has it on like cassette because he like you mm-hmm. know he, you hear the clicking sounds and they're like play some music but then other times it just like is playing out of nowhere you yeah. know he rewinds the cassette with his pinky at yeah. one point mm-hmm. like it, it, it's cool gorgeous. I, mm-hmm. I was just a fan of just like how the music like how it was used they got so much out of so little you know yeah they're very resourceful yeah but so i started with the music when talking about the children to say that one of the first scenes with the children is him picking them up for his regular visitation whatever this week's drive is what he says mm-hmm. i wrote that down and they just loop around this roundabout for like how many minutes like several minutes of them just driving slowly around this roundabout with that song playing and it's him and the kids in the car just slowly driving around and around and around this roundabout with just the saddest song in the world playing and that's their visitation i was i was dying at that scene because i used to do that shit when i was in high school like so growing up in in the region in not with my kids <laughs> with my friends in mm-hmm. in Valparaiso, Indiana. When I yeah. was growing up at that time, like once I got my license, I was right around the time that <laughs> Valparaiso started incorporating roundabouts everywhere because, you know, Carmel yeah. did it first. Carmel was the town in Indiana that had all of the roundabouts. Yes, so then they realized famously. Yeah, so they realized like other towns realized how successful it was, so Valpo was mm-hmm. like, we're going to get roundabouts everywhere. So once <laughs> one part of their town had roundabouts, like mm-hmm. me and my friends, we would just fucking go to town on those roundabouts. Like we would just <laughs> drive in circles and they were like busy areas, like so we would just like keep going and keep going and like we almost got in a wreck several times cuz like people would try to anticipate like okay they didn't go to any of these other exits they're going to this exit so then i i'm probably free to go but we would just keep going and just like almost hit them here we go (laughs) driving slowly around roundabouts for the adrenaline (laughs) listening to moonlight sonata in valparaiso indiana (laughs) yeah man go to the fucking steak and shake after (laughs) that whole sentence could be like the title of your emo album or something Oh, throwback. Uh, amazing. Yeah, TVT. I very much love that scene. And I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure that there there were other scenes that he was driving circles in, but it's hard to tell cuz it was from like inside the cars, mm-hmm. like from the passenger seat, you know. I think Sometimes I think they weren't driving at all. Sometimes I think the car was stationary and they were just doing like lights and stuff behind it. Yeah, I I would Especially the that. opening scene. The opening scene is a dream sequence, but if you watch like they are in the darkness, but 
the lights behind them are going left to right. Whereas like if you were, I don't know, driving, they would be coming towards you or away from you. Yeah. But they're just bouncing back and forth left to right constantly. So it is, I think it's just somebody like outside with some lights. (laughs) They ran out of gas. (laughs) Too much It's a dream sequence anyway. So you could just say like, that's a dream thing. You could really write it off easily. But I thought that was interesting. Okay. So yeah, funny shit, funny shit. Back to his job for a moment. He gets fired. (laughs) That's kind of a big plot point. Although it kind of like barely happens in the movie, you know? He gets like in trouble because he was late twice. His job is so serious. He was late delivering the honey two times and he gets fired. He has to race another driver as a test first and loses because he skipped one of the things in his whatever secret password or Mm -hmm. script or whatever you want to call it. So he kind of loses his only sense of purpose and is that's sort of the beginning of his identity crisis. The beginning mm. of his ungrounding as a human. So it's kind of a, a crucial moment for his personal growth. Yeah, I love how that scene goes into how it just goes from the scene of him just being like, oh, he's the better driver, you lose. Just like to mm-hmm. him just like fucking just yelling in his car. And the way it just like <laughs> builds up, mm-hmm. just the pacing of that scene was so fucking funny. Like another good like editing moment, like where just like you get that comedy is like after you get the whole build up of him yelling mm-hmm just lamenting over his life and how he lost. And then you just cut to the kids in the back seat, just like looking at their dad, just fucking losing his mind. Those kids are so good at the deadpan too. Mm -hmm. Like they are unfazed. They are unbreakable. They rocked. Yeah. So he also, one of the reasons why he was late one day, I think was because of the time that he passed a guy who was hit by a car on the road. Yes. So that was also like a cool, like life changing moment for him and for the movie. So he passes by this guy, a biker, and his bike's just like kind of in pieces all over the road. He's laying there bleeding and all the other bikers are just kind of standing over him. (laughs) And he just pulls over to be like, hey, what's going on or whatever. And this biker gang, we'll call them a gang because later it becomes really apparent that they pretty much are a gang. And they're these are like motorbikes. They're like motocross type bikes. They're not like Harleys. Yeah, they're like they're, dirt bikes. They're like dirt bikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the type of biker I'm talking about when I say a group of bikers, not like big old Harley dudes. I'm talking like some little guys on dirt bikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're very anti-car. And I thought that actually rocked. It was awesome. I love these anti-car guys. Yeah. It was so funny. Like, mm-hmm. just, yeah, the way that, like, they brought it up. Because it's like, they're, like, standing over this dude who is clearly in pain. Not dead yet. And it's like... Like, not dead yet, question mark. <laughs> Basically, like, he's in pretty bad shape. Yeah. And instead of, like, you know, I don't know what their EMT skills are or whatever. Because, like, they're, <laughs> like, the, the ambulance is on its way. But instead of us doing something to help him, we're going to scold you and say that you're a, you're a killer because yeah. you're driving a car. Oh, yeah. They go... On, I love their... They go they on a whole rant. Him. Like... Like, car riders think they own the road. They're, like, think they're invisible because they're behind their door. They're isolated from other people. And, what, they get cold, they turn on the heat. They get hot, they turn on the air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, oh, yeah, it's ironic that he's waiting on a ambulance to save him because the ambulance is a car, and a car is what basically killed him. And... He tells the driver, you're wearing driving gloves, professional driving gloves, which means you're a professional driver, which basically means you're a professional killer. Badass. (laughs) Fucking got him. Love that shit. (laughs) That rocked. 
Yeah. And we need more anti-car diatribe in films and in life, to be honest. Yeah. I support it. <laughs> I support despite it Despite living in LA. Yeah. LA, very car-dependent place, famously. And as we've said, you and I are both from Indiana, which is also a very famously car-dependent place. Like, there's no... There technically is public transit in Indiana, but uh, in some places, but not reliable, not often, and basically Mm. only if you want to go east to west or north to south and no other way. (laughs) So as people who have lived most of our lives in car dependent places, fuck cars. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, public transit for life. There's definitely, I I guess, sort of like just the low, I mean, I I can't even call it a low hanging fruit just because this movie is just still just so up there, just like Mm -hmm. with like all of its messages and everything. But like, you know, the take that I got from it is just sort of like, you know, there's just this obvious commentary on, you know, society's reliance on cars and everything. Yeah. But on top of it, like I loved having like the bikers there too, because like not Mm -hmm. only... Are they like a good voice to sort of propel sort of like that that hate, you know, a little bit, Mm -hmm. but also like it kind of almost feels like a classist thing a little bit of just like the bikers versus the the drivers and like, and then like you talked about like them kind of like becoming a gang sort of thing. It kind of just, they kind of feel like more like the people. You know, where yeah. like they're just more of like a group and like they have to like, you know, stay banded together. Obviously, mm-hmm. it becomes a lot more convoluted and fucked up later in the movie. <laughs> but... Yeah. <laughs> but it also speaks to like what they're saying people who drive cars are isolated from each other. And that's why they think they own the road because they don't think of people as other people people like they don't think of people in other cars as other people Mm -hmm. they just think this is me where i live in my zone and why are there other things in my way (laughs) but people on motorbikes are like they're riding as a group those guys Mm -hmm. they're together they're taking care of each other (laughs) um in ways (laughs) (laughs) but they have some sense of community at least you know you you can definitely say that (laughs) So yeah, it just kind of, it reiterates the points that he's saying verbally in practice. Uh, so yeah, hell yeah, fuck cars. But not not trucks. Truck nuts. <laughs> fuck trucks too, you know? So yes, do I drive a car? Yes. But I have this tiny little baby car. It's so small. Why are car other vehicles allowed to exist that like their tires are equal to my face when I'm driving? <laughs> like that feels fucked up to like pull up to a light next to a truck or whatever SUVs sometimes where their their whole entire person is like above my whole car like cars don't need to be that big they don't need to why are they that big just for hauling ass it's fucked up fuck that anyway anyway so they tell him he's a professional killer because he's a professional driver then moments later in the movie there actually is some stuff in between here but jump to (laughs) for us he hits a dog and drives off so he basically becomes the killer Mm -hmm. that they told him he was and uh, we're assuming he leaves the dog it just shows (laughs) it shows him looking at the dog in the rear view who's bleeding and lying in the street and then uh cut to we're somewhere else <laughs> i'm ve- very curious how they shot that with that dog yeah how did they make it look assuming they didn't hurt the dog which mm-hmm. i'm i'm sure we would know 
or there would yeah. probably be articles about it if they did. Like, I wonder how they got the dog to, like, kind of, like, lay there and, like, be, like, hyperventilating and stuff and, like... Might just be, like, trained for that. I don't know. Like, that that was the thing that I was like, whoa. It looks, like, very, like, realistic. Like, mm-hmm. maybe the dog was, like, maybe it was, like, a puppet. Super realistic looking puppet. Could be. Where they just, like, yeah. had, like, the chest and, like, the face, like, I'll tell you, I'm baffled by a movie magic in general. I don't understand how movies are made. It blows my mind. I don't know. And, like, I sound so stupid to, like, say what I think out loud on this, but it's just really true. I can't, I have no conceptualization of, like, the process for that. Like, for instance, I was just listening to a commentary track on a DVD that I own, and they were talking about they used this one house that they had access to for, like, four different sets, including a cemetery set, a police station set, two different houses, probably some other shit I don't remember, but... They had like all these different, like they just used every bedroom of this house to make these different sets. That would never occur to me in a million years. (laughs) Yeah. I would go, oh, we need a police station set. Well, let's find us a police station then. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fucking wild. It would never occur to me to just like get a couple things and put them on the walls or whatever. And then suddenly it looks like a police station, you know? So uh, yeah, I it movie magic blows my mind. I can't comprehend it. I don't understand it. I... I am just so like uh, in awe of people who make movies and who can think about these types of things that way because I'm just plain, plain, plain. I have no imagination. <laughs> I say, we need a living room. Well, I got to find somebody with a living room. <laughs> there, I mean, like there's stuff like that. I, I always get more impressed with like, the whole idea of movie magic and stuff when mm-hmm. movies are like clearly more of a lower budget. Like yeah. if it's like a fucking Marvel movie, I don't care. CGI does not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like i agree something like that doesn't matter or even if it's just like a bigger movie like even something where it is like practical effects like the new top gun or like any mm-hmm. like fucking jason Bourne movie or whatever like any of that stuff like i believe everything that i'm seeing like as in like mm-hmm. they threw money at it they have all their crash pads they have their like their cars that are like you know they have like the roll cages yeah. and everything where everything is like super safe and well financed you know, where mm-hmm. they can they can make it and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But like seeing a movie like this where they don't have those resources yeah. and like trying to figure out, yeah, like how did you like how did you make that dog look like that it just got ran over? Or mm-hmm. like the scene of him like crashing his car, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we're we're gonna get to here soon. How did they do that safely? Did they do yeah. it safely or did they just fucking <laughs> tell him to do that? You know, because like Yeah. And yeah, I know I know we'll get there, but like Oh, God, I fucking love that scene so much. (laughs) I have friends who made a video or like sort of a short film that was um, the whole joke of it was they work for like a mechanic, but you take your car to the mechanic and they actually just fuck up your car really bad and like beat it with bats and shit. Nice. And they are just like poor randoms like us. (laughs) One of their car was like about to like their car was basically on its last legs, like pretty much broken down and not usable. And they were like, yeah, just fuck up my car. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is going to be the end of his life. <laughs> and, and just beat the fuck out of this car, you know? I don't know what they did with it afterwards. Maybe sold it for parts or I don't know. But, you know, sometimes you do just find, like, random resources. Yeah. But, yeah, the, it is more impressive, obviously, if it's low budget. And, you know, usually when it's low budget, things have to be practical. They have to be real. They have to be somewhere. And you have to scrounge. You have to scrounge together what you can to I like make that things... Word scrounge scrounge yeah. yeah you gotta scrounge scrounge you gotta scrounge together things to make it believable that 
whatever place you're trying to show people is what it is. Yeah. Or is what you say it is. Yeah. That's just, it just blows my mind. I can't, I don't have any concept for that. I can't, I just can't even visualize like that. People always ask me, am I going to make a movie sometime? And I go, there's no way. I can't even figure out how movies are made. <laughs> nah, you're going to make one. It blows my mind. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> okay, anyway, now that we're done being dummies. <laughs> dummies sound off in the comments. Do you agree movies are magical and you can't believe them? Um, hit me up. <laughs> so this is the time when we see him switch seats for the first time. Is after the dog hitting thing. He switches seats and then pretends that he's... Or like is sort of doing like a role play or like an enactment of a fantasy um, that someone else is driving and they are a bad driver. Because he famously has like this sense of himself as a great driver. That's like a, a real solid part of his identity. But now he's been fired from driving. So like that really solid part of his identity is like being challenged. Yeah. So he's doing this sort of like self-soothing role play of like... Uh, oh, I'm driving with someone else and they're so bad at driving and throwing himself all over this car in his fantasies saying like, oh, you should let me drive because I'm a really good driver and I've yeah. actually never had an accident. <laughs> like, whatever. I love the line after that when he was like, if, if you have one more accident, you will be the worst driver in the world. <laughs> I was like, damn. It's so good. Anyway, I thought this was a dream sequence. There are a couple dream sequences in this movie. They're never plainly shown as being a dream sequence no. except for one where afterwards he goes I had a nightmare and tells a guy about yeah. it so it's never like that apparent that what you're seeing is a dream you kind of have to figure it out which I think is kind of fun and like I said earlier it took me quite a while before I was like <laughs> oh these are dreams yeah so this goes right into the part where the guy's crawling up towards the car from in mm -hmm. the cornfield one of the things I love about this movie is that basically everything you ever see anything they say whatever they do it's all called back again like things are called back multiple times throughout the movie so the driver had like briefly mentioned offhand in passing that his former colleague was the best driver in the world and he'd been shot by a hunter when he was mistaken for a bear and then we just kind of move on no further details mm -hmm. <laughs> so now when he's in this cornfield which by the way also looks gorgeous whatever is like the shots here amazing this guy this is like a four and a half minutes of him just like slowly crawling up the road towards the car the Love confidence <laughs> the confidence to not cut away from that yes because yes. i i think it's so fucking cool and that's another mm -hmm. thing that this movie does too is like if you're gonna see it something breathes. it breathes yeah like if you're mm -hmm. gonna see something happen you're gonna see the whole thing it's never gonna cut yeah. away there's never gonna be any jump cuts you are in the car with them basically like I you have to, you have to experience yeah. the whole thing like what was it like his, the fucking birthday scene when he's blowing mm -hmm. out the candles he is the world's worst candle blower like it was so <laughs> bad like it took him like probably five to ten seconds to blow out all the candles yeah and i was just like this has yeah. to have been intentional like no one is that bad like he like they had to have been like yeah like blow it out like really shittily <laughs> but then like you they have to watch the whole like thing that. Mm -hmm. you can often catch a lot of magic it feels cool. And then I always think about like, so I'm a big fan of like Joel Petrikas's films and he's pretty well known for doing that also. Just like having these really long takes of stuff or just like 
you can hear all the stories about him talking about his films and certain parts that were only supposed to be short, but then the guy kind of did like moved funny or, you know, he took a bite of his spaghetti funny. So he was like, I think I'll just keep rolling and see what he does with the spaghetti. And then just keeps rolling until he feels like we're done. But he'll say like, okay, well now I've done this shot and it's a long take and it's, you know, whatever, but it's six minutes and you're thinking you're going to make an 80 minute movie well, like now like one tenth of my movie is done. Yeah. And just like <laughs> having like one six minute take or whatever, you know? So I always think of it like that when I'm watching stuff like this is like, well, these guys were making this scene and they go, okay, well, this is a four and a half minute scene of a guy just walking, like crawling on the ground up to this car. It's probably longer if you include the part that happened in the car prior to him crawling up. And now like this whole chunk of my movie is like, done and it just happened in one scene you know one take even so it's just like uh i just think about that i don't know (laughs) is that interesting (laughs) i liked it it's an interesting way to think of it i think from the filmmaker perspective so going back to where things get called back um so this guy crawls up on all fours gets in the car and the driver says you're late and he said sorry it's hard to walk like a bear so he was doing the bear thing and is this the dead bestie I think it is. Is it? <laughs> I'm. Yeah, I think it is. This was one time where I could not tell who was there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm just assuming it was because yeah, I like think they, it they, is. they do. He does look similar to the alive bestie. Yeah, but yeah, I think because he he had much bigger hair. Because I, I I wrote down during the scene, <laughs> I was like, why is Bob Ross crawling? <laughs> that was that was my note for this. Yeah. Okay, so it's his dead bestie who got killed for being mistaken for a bear. And then he gets in the car saying he was walking like a bear on his way to the car. And then gets in the car and eats honey, which is famously a bear food. (laughs) (laughs) Big bear food. Even the conversation that they have is sort of like, I don't want to say like a conversation you would have with a bear. But he asks like, would you like to eat a man? Mm -hmm. And he says, yes. And would you eat me? Like, no, you're my friend. Like, that's something you would ask a bear. (laughs) Would you eat me? No. That's basically the end of that scene. It cuts to daytime, and then it's definitely the dead bestie in the car, and he's eating a raw fish, which is also like a bear thing. So he's doing all this bear shit. Anyway, I thought it was funny to watch. (laughs) I also liked him telling his friend that he was late, just because that was, you know, he he had been on the other side. of Yeah, he's projecting. Mm -hmm. So it was not like, you know, him having the power in that scene a little bit. Mm -hmm. Part of me kind of thinks that he killed his friend. Do you think so? Since he just keeps dreaming about it. You know? Mm, yeah. I don't know. I don't really have much proof other than that. But, yeah. you know, if, if you keep dreaming about your friend dying and, like, being in the car and stuff. Bloody. Bloody. Like. It's interesting. Fan theory. <laughs> TJ's writing fanfic on this film. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I also liked when they are in the car in the daylight on this time. The driver said, like, if I ever find the man who killed you, I'd kill him so fast he wouldn't even have time to think of his last word. And his last word would be something stupid or pointless like house or gun. House or gun. <laughs> I just thought, what what like a sick like thing to say to someone. I'm going to kill you so fast you won't even have time to think of something cool to say. <laughs> that's your last word. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of like a good sort of... um if you subscribe to the idea of that that article you read about how like this is sort of like almost a satire of like those like action movies you know where mm-hmm. like you know when someone gets killed or whatever they almost always have like that badass line or something yeah so like i don't know i, I could kind of see that what a threat yeah that rocked 
then he runs into the bikers again. And this is where we're going to have the the new big life change. 47 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> and this was your favorite part too, I think, where he starts crashing his car. Yes. I, he basically decides sort of unspoken that he's going to join the biker gang we see him stand up and get out of the car for the very first time and he does like driving forward driving backward driving forward driving backward crashing into these two poles basically saying see like fuck cars i hate cars too (laughs) like (laughs) so do you have more comments on that or you just wanted to appreciate it i mean yeah i i really appreciated the scene like we were just talking about with how they just shot it all in one take like mm-hmm. it's really hard to fake that scene mm-hmm. with the budget that they had. So yeah. did he have like some like protective clothing or something on like underneath like where you don't see him in the frame or whatever? I don't know. Mm. But like that scene where you just see him going back and forth, crashing the car and like seeing his him just kind of like jerking back and forth. Mm-hmm. It like it was visceral and it felt yeah. like a scene <laughs> like that feels like a scene that you will remember mm-hmm. just seeing someone like it really looks like that they are hurting themselves doing yeah. that. And yeah, like, you know, I I didn't see it coming either. Like, you know, like yeah. I didn't know why he was crashing his car at the mm-hmm. beginning. It really wasn't until like the part with the exhaust from the bike, you know, mm-hmm. that's when it kind of like started to click like, oh, so he's like, this is turning into a cult <laughs> sort of like yeah. gang type situation. He got like initiated into the gang. Yeah. The thing was, he gets out of the car, and I thought he was just going to get on the back of that guy's dirt bike, but what he did was roll up his pant leg, and then, I don't know if he lets the guy do it, or the guy just does it, but take the guy takes his leg, takes the driver's leg, and puts it against his muffler, and just burns the fuck out of him. Kind of felt like a, like a branding, sort of. Yeah, branding, initiation, something like this, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just crazy. It was really crazy, and uh, his scream was excellent. Yeah, I do wish that scream. we saw some gore. There was no gore at all. Yeah. And even, like, right after that, he does walk front-facing, so, like theoretically if there was a huge burn on his leg you'd be able to at least see like the edge of it Mm -hmm. um and i saw nothing so yeah i do wish there was a little bit of gore there i also i also felt myself at the same time being like i want to see this burn i want to see how bad it is i want to see it yeah so he's traded the car for a bike now he's a bike guy but he lives on the bike in the same manner that he lived in the car so like he sleeps on the bike Everything's on the bike, the same as the car. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I think it's so cool. Yeah, but it is like, what are they saying there? He's living the same life, but changing the scenery or something like, I don't know. And after this, people around him start to treat him differently. So mm-hmm. he's a bike guy now. People don't recognize him. His friends and family don't recognize him. He has to come up and go, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Before they recognize him, which is just kind of funny. And I don't know if that's like, I guess it could be interpreted both like literally and figuratively so like literally he's not a car guy anymore and all these car obsessed people are like looking down on him or something or like being judgy which famously like that is part of our culture (laughs) that is part of like car culture is that uh people look down upon people who do public transit or other non-car versions of transit yeah like his his uh wife or yeah ex-wife forever she like she calls him immature for doing it yeah and she like looks disgusted at him all the time yeah they roll the windows up on the car when he comes to try and visit and like the kids won't even talk to him <laughs> so there's that like car culture commentary part of it but then like figuratively you could say like he's going through 
changes. He's changing his his shit up. You know, like you change your fashion, you change as a person, you change your beliefs, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like people around you don't always respond positively to that either. So I don't know. What do you think? When I watched it, I I took it just very literally. Like mm-hmm. I I took it as like he is just like spiraling at this point. Yeah. You know, ever since he lost his job, that's kind of just when it all just kind of went downhill. And having like you know saying that he is a driver, you know, like the car just being so much of his identity, it just kind of felt like he had to like scramble to sort of just like redefine himself a mm-hmm. little bit, to find his new thing. Yeah. And he so, knew these people had, like, a really strong belief in something. Like, they had something going on. They had a thing going. So he just kind of latched onto their thing. Yeah. The first thing he saw. Yeah. And I also just feel like that this dude cannot take criticism well at all. <laughs> like, you know, just a like... A man with, not taking criticism well? <laughs> it's weird. So he, like, takes, you know, he takes it poorly from his boss just from, you know, being late all the time. And he's he's having yeah. dreams about, like... Relatable. Re- yeah, having dreams about, like... <laughs> I don't take criticism from my boss in regards to me being late very well either. <laughs> <laughs> but then he, like, you know, then he, like, gets criticized by the biker, too. Where, like, mm-hmm. basically the dude calls him a killer <laughs> for... Yeah. Just, like, basically for who he is. Mm-hmm. And, like, clearly that rubbed him the wrong way. And then, you know, after... Just like his whole identity got threatened and stuff by his replacement, like the the better driver. Then it's mm-hmm. just like, what does he have left? So he like literally sheds himself of. And like all these criticisms are sort of coming true. Yeah. Or like they told him he's a late guy. Well, he, then he's late twice. And then he told him he was a killer. Then he does kill a dog. So like yeah. <laughs> the proof is becoming in the pudding, whether or not like you want it to be true <laughs> so then you really go it's time for a change and his wife calling him immature too like i can i can even see that like coming true as well because then he's like trying to take the kids on the bike and stuff too and that's just mm-hmm. like you know it's not i wouldn't call that great parenting but no i don't because his kids are kid, so. pretty young i don't think they say the ages but they seem like like seven and nine or something like they're pretty young right it, i would say so yes what do kids look like these days <laughs> They could be 20. I don't know. Google kids. <laughs> Seven Google year old. Search. Seven year old. Normal. Put me on the damn. <laughs> Put me on the damn FBI list. <laughs> They're Googling kids. <laughs> Googling seven year old boys. Um, uh-oh. <laughs> but yeah, also when he, there's like a time when he goes to pick up his friend, he takes his friend on the bike and the friend gets too chilly. Yeah, on the he bike. gets too chilly. He gets too chilly and he has to take the bus back. But that's another sort of callback to when the biker guys said, oh, drivers get too chilly and they got to turn on the heat. They can't, you know, just be chilly. Yeah. He told me it was his fault for not having the right boots. But even the boots thing was like another callback because there's a time when uh, him and his friend go to like the docks and they watch the boat guy for a while who's doing like, we don't know what he's doing at first, but once he tells his story later... And you think back, you go, oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, But he basically just looks like he's kind of like jumping, like sort of jump sliding almost like on his boat repeatedly forever. That shot felt like a scene from the movie Hot Rod. Yeah. (laughs) Like it just felt so silly to me. It's silly and it's long and you're just watching this guy jump for a long time. A really, a really (laughs) long Sperry's commercial. (laughs) So it's really funny. But then later we get the story from him. 
about how his dad died on a boat because he had the wrong shoes and his shoes were slippery and he slipped off. So now he has these <laughs> these gorgeous non-slip boat shoes, mm-hmm. which saved his life then and they continue to save his life. So like having the right shoes was really important for him and his survival. And then we cut to this guy in this other situation who doesn't have the right shoes. Um, So it's just like a little shoe through line, I guess. It's just like I said, everything gets called back. That's all. There's like, um, this is going to sound a little out there, but Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like there's almost this commentary of like shoes in this movie as (laughs) a vehicle in themselves. Okay. Just like uh-huh. in in the way that just like humans move because like we have all these different vehicles. We have cars, bikes, boats, but like what was the original human vehicle? Just their fucking feet. And of course, like humans had to use, you know, if their feet got sore from walking too much, they need a little bit of support so they get different shoes and stuff. I don't know. I just feel like that there is there's something Shoes are part of it. Shoes are part of it, and there's there's some sort of commentary going on about humans and society's relationship with nature in this and how much Mm. we try to avoid being a part of nature where we like separate we literally separate ourselves from the earth with shoes with vehicles and i actually think there's a little bit of like evidence in this with like his friend who died being like compared to a bear and how the bear and how he like crawls on his hands and feet and everything and mm-hmm. then there's also just like those shots of the the driver like taking his shoes off and leaving them outside the car which I thought was so weird like I I don't I don't know what to really make of that mm-hmm. but but it just it introduces shoe imagery yeah. early in the film without having to address it really in any way right. it's just like I guess every time he's having a life change you're right Shoes are also a part of the change. Yeah. So like when he's driving the car, he has these nice like dress shoes. He goes to the bike. He has to get these boots. He goes to the boat. He has to get the boat shoes. So like shoes are changing as he is also changing what he's doing too. So that's interesting. And just like the way that the that the movie ends, I know skipping ahead a little bit, but like with like the song and everything and like mm-hmm. just talking about how like the sea and stuff is like basically like it's a song just sort of like respecting the ocean. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like him ending on a boat feels sort of like his compromise almost where like he's yeah on a vehicle that is like basically has sort of this like relationship with water and like nature Mm -hmm. and stuff it's like different from like the other vehicles and stuff where like you know you really have to like respect the Mm -hmm. the world a little bit that you're using to like navigate or else you'll fall off and die because even like cars and bikes and whatever are on pavement they're not on really like ground yeah most of the time like there there's a separation there and and even when we're talking about him driving through this gorgeous countryside like you're right he's never outside he's driving through it inside of his vehicle right <laughs> so yeah even when they go to the docks like they just sit in the car or they sit on the bike or whatever yeah that's interesting and when you're talking about the ending and he's singing the song about he's singing the song about how beautiful the ocean is and etc and then you're also saying his dead friend was the most connected to the earth right because he's crawling on the ground he's connected to an animal his character is just called the bear mm-hmm. the opening scene of this film also is that guy singing a song about the earth isn't it like isn't he singing about like all the stuff you find berries and twigs and 
<laughs> twigs and berries nice. uh, some would say <laughs> real real mature uh, <laughs> that was an accident <laughs> um fruits etc <laughs> stuff you find on the earth you know so that's how the movie opens and then so it closes similarly i guess but different same same but different same same but different yeah that's really interesting i didn't think about that but that's like a really cool observation i think again i don't know what my interpretation of it is like if i if i was something that is relevant there's something there like if i had to write an essay about this for my fucking what what was it (laughs) greek weird wave film class like Uh (laughs) I, i could see myself writing an essay about it but like i don't have I don't have the thoughts right now. This would take a couple drafts mm-hmm. to like really put it together. To really parse out. Yeah, sure. That That is really, um, it is really interesting. We'll think about that while we get from here to the end of the movie, which we're not that far from really. It's a short movie. It is pretty short. It's pretty short. And because it's so much of it is like those long scenes where like kind of nothing's happening. It's more of a character study than like an action narrative or anything there's there's less action points i guess is what i'm saying um but there's a lot to interpret still because it is so it's so artistic (laughs) it is like nothing's handed to you like like even like what you're saying like the even the dream sequences this might Mm -hmm. just be me like coping because i feel stupid that i didn't realize that they were dreams for a while (laughs) but like they don't tell you that they're dreams no they don't tell you you i didn't know either you have to figure it out Mm -hmm. i had to figure it out too so don't like you're not stupid. There's no there's no <laughs> sepia tone over these shots. <laughs> and most of the time with the dreams, like you also don't see them go to sleep. Right. It's just nighttime. Maybe you think they're they could be going to sleep sometime. Sometimes you're not even in sleep. It's not on your brain. But what's happening is clearly a dream. So Yeah. Now I'm like thinking like how many of these other like night scenes were dreams like the scene where like the other driver comes into the car you know and like Mm -hmm. they're like eating like bread and honey and everything like was that a dream or was Mm -hmm. like i don't think it was because he again like he was in the driver's seat you know so like maybe that's like one of the indicators of it but now i'm second guessing shit he was in the driver's seat but also i feel like what happened in that scene was realistic and appropriate for like what those characters would be saying to each other he kind of sabotages the guy by getting honey on his hand and making his hand sticky and then the guy i forget exactly what he says but something about like you knew like i was going to beat you and take your job basically mm-hmm. so like it, it feels realistic to the the characters in the scene whereas like the other dream sequences first of all like i said he's almost always in the passengers uh hanging in the passenger side of his best friend's ride um and <laughs> They have often like his dead friend who is clearly, I mean, he's not alive. So like he he wouldn't be there. And then in the next one we're about to get to, the dead friend is there, but also he like introduces his dead friend to the driver of the car. So you're like, okay, really what's going on? That I think once they, once they clearly state that that was a dream and I had figured it was when I was watching it, but then once they get to the end of it and they say that it's a dream, then I go, oh, now I understand what I've been seeing this whole time. (laughs) But yeah, so let's get to that. So he goes to sleep in a field on the bikes with the other bikers. They all just kind of like hunch over their bikes and (laughs) rest on their elbows on the handlebars. So Um, weird. Weird, uncomfortable, uh, whatever. He goes to this field to go to sleep. Then he has that dream where him and the dead friend and the main biker guy are on a road trip. He's also in the passenger seat in this scene. He's telling the main biker guy about his dead friend. and But when he wakes up, he tells that guy 
oh my God, I had a nightmare. And it was a nightmare because we were on, we were driving in a car on a road trip and we were having a good time. Yeah. Like what a night. Like, <laughs> and he, was, he was like, that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he's trying to like fit in with these people who are so anti-car culture. That's something that really kind of was a good dream, you know, by all measures. He kind of has to pretend was bad (laughs) yeah it's not like god i have this recurring trauma of my dead friend who i cannot stop dreaming about every night i should really get this like figured out no i had a fucking nightmare that i had a good time like on a road trip (laughs) like fucking priorities dude (laughs) yeah don't threaten me with a good time (laughs) etc that was the only dream sequence that was clearly talked about as having been a dream yeah which yeah kind of solidified the model that had been happening throughout next is the biker guy the main biker talking about his dead wife i loved this scene how she was killed that she was split in half by a car when she stopped to lick the asphalt because she liked licking asphalt that was near the sea i was like (laughs) incredible fine (laughs) so funny i let's just say i was laughing (laughs) and like that seems to be like the inciting trauma that made him anti-car culture it has to be yeah is that like his wife got out of the car to lick the middle of the road and got hit by a car and now he's car he's anti-car culture ridiculous (laughs) that was a scene that i was just like "Mm, uh, okay (laughs) like like you didn't like it you'll you'll probably catch on that towards the end of this movie i was just like i was just accepting everything that was happening Mm -hmm. i was like okay cool letting it wash over yeah we talked about the the wife and kids kind of being disgusted with his motorbike lifestyle (laughs) but i don't think we said that also they kind of disappear for a while they're just not where they were he can't find them he finally does find them and they won't open the window they just look disgusted and drive away he's kind of also lost his family yeah that scene was in the rain too right when he finds Mm -hmm. them and stuff i just thought that that was like an interesting decision you know because like he doesn't have a choice like he destroyed his car so now he Mm -hmm. has to be on his bike like even when it's like rainy and stuff and like trying to like get his kids to like to like come with like for a ride and everything just like yeah when it's just like wet out i think we get a couple of him a couple scenes of him like sort of second guessing his motorbike lifestyle one is that two is the sleeping he has trouble sleeping like that three is what happens to his fellow gang member here in this next scene (laughs) which is that his license was expiring but he didn't think he was going to be able to renew it because of his poor eyesight and they give him a vision test and it turns out um lie detector test determined that was the truth (laughs) (laughs) um so he has to just die. <laughs> Guess he has to die. <laughs> he has to die and he picks how he wants to die. And it's like he makes all the guys duct tape him to his bike, duct tape his helmet all shut. So he's, I think he's got tailpipe situation happening or something. Whatever. He suffocates inside of his helmet. Fucking awesome. They just watch him die <laughs> because he can't renew his license. Well, he tries to watch. Then then he like covers up. He does cover his eyes. <laughs> but he talks to the boat guy too at some point about, oh, do you have to like deal with weather on your <laughs> on your boat lifestyle? Do you have to deal with these different things? And the boat guy was saying no so anyway that's just another hint that those are things that are bothering him then we see him off the bike 
Um, and this is the only time we've seen him off the bike since he got on the bike, which is we're down to eight minutes left in the movie at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's almost over. He's been on a vehicle the entire time. Things are really starting to pick up. <laughs> yeah. He crawls with his dead friend in the grass. What's that about? What's going on there? I couldn't tell you, dude. I was like, I mean, maybe going back to what I was saying earlier, like maybe that is some sort of, because at the end he says, I think you're ready, Mm -hmm. right? So like part of that kind of feels like almost like a a different initiation, like Mm. not necessarily to like join like a a weird He needed to connect with Mother Earth. Yeah. Like a yeah, a connection <laughs> to Mother Earth. Like he needed to get on his hands and knees and like crawl around like a bear, feel like an animal, and like he is now back to Earth. He is mm-hmm. not wanting to be in a car, in a bike, any of that shit. He just he wants to like follow the path of his friend. Yeah, but his friend's dead. So did did he die? <laughs> did he die? interesting i don't think he did the end is kind of so open it could mean a lot of things but okay so he crawls in the grass with his dead friend his dead friend rubs through his beard and says you're ready (laughs) this is the only time i think we see the dead guy in no this is one of two times we see the dead guy in daylight so it's pretty rare and the driver has just like long hair and the beard and everything yeah he's getting scraggly such a good look by the way yeah i I thought he looked great yeah he looks great in the whole he has like a real presence um and he's got those haunting eyes. I don't. He just like looks cool. I mean, plainly, he just looks cool. He's cool to look at. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it really worked for him that we were mostly looking at him do nothing or sit still uh, for most of this movie because he's just cool to look at. So facts. Um, facts. Just facts. Um, he looks cool. So he gets boat shoes and gets on the boat with the boat guy and then sings a song about the ocean, about how beautiful the ocean is um, and how many other beautiful things it has created on Earth, such as beaches and such as looking blue from outer space. Um, <laughs> that pretty much takes us out of the uh, film, but it's that is another long scene. He's singing this song for a long time and the song continues over the credits too. Yeah, it was so much. It was a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of different ways I think you could interpret the end. Sort of, he's lost all of his like earthly things that keep him bound and now he's sailing off. Something about just, yeah, going from earth to water. Like that feels like more of like a actual You're like, what's the metaphor there? Yeah. Yeah. Now he's not on solid ground anymore because he lost his kids and his job and blah, blah, blah. But in another way, he's sort of free. Maybe it's like like an idealistic sort of dream of the director who maybe has wife kids and job and doesn't like them and goes what would it be like if I just quit all those things and (laughs) sailed off into the damn sunset maybe so so there's a lot of different ways you could think about the ending I don't have anything concrete to say here just ideas I guess do you think I don't know if I guess I didn't even look if these songs the song at the beginning and the song at the end were original did like did they write them I guess they probably did they seem almost improvised at times too I don't know I at least think the ending song is improvised I don't know that for a fact, but there are times in the song where he's like, he goes, I don't know what the actual lyrics are, but something like, oh, you have fish and reeds and, um, uh, yeah, it, sticks, it, you know, it feels like stream of consciousness. <laughs> like there's yeah. no, there's no like set pattern or like set like yeah. cadence or whatever. And, and to because the, song. the melodies like are very repetitive and yeah. simple. So it to a way that's like, I'm improvising this. <laughs> it, it feels like, yeah, it, it feels like a song that somebody would just be singing to themselves, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, I I really don't know that I loved the ending, though, to be honest. 
But where else could it have gone? I don't know. I, I try not to think that way too much anymore. Because like, I, I remember when, when we talked for Killing of a Sacred Deer, I think I had like mentioned something like, oh, like, what if the movie like ended like this? Or what if he, he did this instead? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I'm trying to like not think that way anymore. And just like, you know, very much just like focus on a movie just for what it is. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, because for whatever reasons, like when they were writing it, shooting it, editing it, whatever, everything is always just very intentional with any movie. Yeah. Like these are the the decisions that they made. So like, you know, it, it like I feel the same way for like if somebody is like reading my script that I wrote, you know, I've experienced this where I will like I can like send it to a website or something and they can give me like feedback on a script and they'll just kind of like I consider something to be a bad review of my script if they're just like well, I, what if this happened instead? Or like, what if this happened? It's like, mm-hmm. that's not like what you should be focusing on. Like, if, mm-hmm. if the entire story, like, if it doesn't make sense, like, logic-wise, like, if characters are making decisions out of character or whatever, like, that's different. But just, like, throwing stuff out there, like, I don't know. I've just, it, it's something that I'm just, like, trying to, like, not do. You're sensitive about it and you don't want to do that to other people. A thousand percent. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a me thing. But if, if you, if, if you want to, like, think of other ways that the movie could have ended. I don't. This is I your don't podcast. Have su- <laughs> I don't have suggestions. I don't know that I want to like give a suggestion of a different way it could have ended because it probably does end how it should. But I just don't know that I love it either way. Right. I was thinking about recently. Someone asked me to give them feedback on their short film, and I said, "What if you did this instead?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Was that terrible?" I don't like doing that. I don't like giving feedback, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous because I have a podcast where i critique film uh, that <laughs> I, hate it. I hate when friends send me films and go critique this give me feedback on uh, what you think about it i hate that um, <laughs> don't want to do that again sorry to the person who just did that to me <laughs> never again so do we have any more thoughts on this film the end of the film anything in particular or we can go ahead and score it what do you think Oh, okay. So I I had one more one more thought on this movie. Another possible yeah. fan theory on this. Okay. More fanfic. Going back to the idea that he killed his friend. Okay. What if he ran his friend over with his car mm. and as a result is now being punished and he's being doomed to live in a vehicle the rest of his life? Hmm. Could you see that? I could see that, but I think if I think if true, that it would have been more interesting to say that than to just have it be something that's interpreted. Yeah. Right? Because that's interesting. That would be like an interesting, cool plot point. Because I think I was thinking about it during the scene where he was trying to sleep on the bike. Mm -hmm. Because at that point... It's just like just fucking sleep on the ground. Like why like you're you're on grass, like But all the other guys are also sleeping on bikes though. True. So he doesn't he doesn't wanna break the code or whatever. So that's fair. We don't know why he can't get off of the bike. Why he can't get out of the car, why he can't get off of the bike. We're not told. We don't know. It's unspoken. It's just like my favorite movie Relaxer, where he can't get off of the couch. It's just like exterminating Angel. They can't leave the room. We don't know why. They just can't. I was expecting something. I was expecting maybe he had like really tiny legs or something. Or like, I, I, don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> but he got out and he was normal. He was very normal. And that's and cool. he could walk. Yeah. Yeah. I had a note somewhere where I was like, this dude must have the worst circulation in his legs. <laughs> like <laughs> From just sitting down all the time. Yeah. 
that's like you, his That's ass. how you get blood clots. Aye, aye, aye. Those are my closing thoughts on the movie, I think. Oh, yeah. We should score this out of five. What do you think out of five? Well, per my letterboxed score. <laughs> you can change from letterbox. We've had a long discussion now. You might have different thoughts. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to take your advice and do that. So okay. or, originally on letterboxd, I scored it two and a half mm-hmm. out of five. I think I'm going to go up to three now. Because wow. I, I, I think I think like talking it out and stuff, mm-hmm. I think I am starting to appreciate the film a lot more. When I first originally like scored it, I was more just kind of caught up on little things. Like I was like annoyed with like the like the audio issues mm-hmm. and also just like just sort of like the overall just the absurdist vibe. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes sometimes I'm really into it. Sometimes I fucking love weird absurd movies. And then yeah. other times I just like don't vibe with it. And mm-hmm. I think like this movie was like one of those examples where it was just like, you know, so- some of the scenes I was like, yeah, this is awesome. This is really cool. Like I love some scenes and there's other scenes where I just was like, I don't care what's going on, honestly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why I went straight down the middle two and a half out of five. Like I, I felt half and half about it. Mm-hmm. But now like, you know, thinking about things more and just kind of like talking about different interpretations about things. I think I do like it more. So yeah, we're going to go up to three. And there's maybe like a little more, a little more intention and thought and care put into some things than is initially apparent. Yeah. You got to think about it a little more to kind of figure some of this crap out. Yeah. And and that's cool. I I like a movie that grows. For sure. Okay. So I gave this a four, I think. I really like this film. There are some stuff I didn't love about it, but... In general, I really liked it. I think it's so unique. It's weird. It just has a really cool feel to it. I'm a big fan of the Greek weird wave stuff. So any of that crap, you're probably going to get me with it. You're a Greek freak. I'm a little Greek freak, unfortunately. (laughs) hate to say that out loud. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just gel with this. There are some parts that are a little slow. There are some things I didn't love as much as others. But overall... I liked all the people in this. It was gorgeous. I think the visuals really took me a long way too because I think it just looked so cool. Like shots were coming up and I'm going, wow, you know, and it was very funny. And, you know, famously, I love comedy. The rumors are true. Rumors are true. I love to laugh. And uh, for those reasons, this gets a four out of my ass. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, would we recommend this film? Yeah. (laughs) That one's tough. You say yeah? I would absolutely recommend it. I say yeah, too, with the caveat that I know this is not going to be for everybody. If what there was one review I read. What did it say? Oh, yeah. If you love difficult art cinema, (laughs) this will be for you. (laughs) I have a bad habit in my house of not forcing, but strongly (laughs) encouraging Amanda, who is Mm -hmm. my my partner for those listening, and Mm -hmm. the rest of our house. Uh, to watch just weird ass movies so i fully encourage it like i want i want people to like get out of their comfort zones stop watching and you'll remember i recently a few months back uh came to visit dj and said roommates and partner (laughs) and scared them all out of the damn house with a weird short film (laughs) yeah i remember hearing about it and then i came home i was like i want to watch it and i fucking loved it That would be The Hole the Devil Put There by Pal of the Pod, Alex Kavitsky. <laughs> <laughs> 
cleared the room with that one. Sorry, Alex. I always tell them, I always make people watch that short because I'm so entertained by it. I think it's so funny and it's so like unique and creative, even though like it's kind of like it's kind of stupid, but like it's stupid in a really smart way, I think. But anyway, I always show people it and they go, this is gross and nasty. I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. And so I told him, I love his film so much. I'm always trying to get people to watch more of his films. But I'm like, I always make people watch that one first. And I think it actually has negative returns on getting them to watch any more (laughs) of his stuff because people are so grossed out by it. I, I didn't know that so many people... This is a spoiler, so check out for 30 seconds if you don't want me to spoil this short film. But the topic of the short film is belly buttons and i didn't know that so many people are disgusted and horrified by belly buttons i had no idea that that was true grow up i love belly buttons yeah yeah grow up grow up <laughs> grow up and appreciate the the whole the you're devil disgusted put there. by a belly button literally babies have them grow up <laughs> are you a baby <laughs> you used to eat through that thing okay grow up <laughs> I think belly buttons are the coolest part of the body. I'm obsessed with belly buttons. Everyone has a unique one, you know, and... I personally, I have a strange one because I was born with an umbilical hernia in my belly button. So I have like a weird belly button. It's like not quite an Audi, not an any who knows what's going on there. Maybe It's something. It used to be full Audi and it was scary and I could make it blow up like a balloon. Can't nice. do that anymore. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I've never had belly button lint. So because of the shape of my belly button. And I am so jealous of people who get belly button lint. <laughs> Who get to come home at the end of the day and have a treat waiting for you? A little treat. Your belly button. <laughs> you can make a wish on it if you want. And you know, I just never get to make that wish. And um, I think people don't appreciate what they have. And I think more people should respect belly buttons. And that's what I have to say. <laughs> so I, I'm going to say this with the caveat of God forbid, <laughs> knock on wood, I would never ever wish anything bad to ever happen to you ever. Uh-huh. But if you were to ever. Uh, develop a terminal illness and you apply for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, you're saying that your wish would be to just have a little bit of belly button lint. Well, here's the thing about that. My wish is to have belly button lint, but you can make wishes on belly button lint, similar to eyelashes. It's the same program. So really, if you wish to have belly button lint, you're wishing for more wishes. And that's, as we all know, economic. And it's the number one wish everyone wants is more wishes, right? So... Actually, yes, I agree. That would be my wish. <laughs> now I got to think about what my what my make a wish wish would be. <laughs> it would probably just be for the truck nuts thing, if we're gonna be honest. <laughs> just big old truck nuts for my for my hybrid. Truck nut. <laughs> what did I say? Truck nut in America reclaimed these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have make a wish you would just get long truck nuts that's amazing okay we gotta do the last segment so we're never getting out of here okay now it's time for scream vomit okay in this part of the pod we just go off about whatever else we've been watching, movies, shows, whatever. So what you've been watching? The last movie that I watched, besides Elle, uh, mm-hmm. Amanda and I went to the movies to go see uh, Barbarian. The one's in mm. theaters right now. I also saw. Mm-hmm. I freaking liked it. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I thought it was 
freaking pretty fine. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say I was gonna say I fucking loved it, but I didn't fucking love it. Mm-hmm. But I did really enjoy it. I thought it was a really. I think it's good a movie. little overhyped. Like a little I saw over-hyped. so much hype. Yeah, there was a lot of hype, and that's why we so went to go much. see it because I saw all the yeah. hype for it. I was like, oh, we gotta go see it. I like the I like the story. We never learn our lesson. Every time there's something's overhyped. I'd say 99.999% of the time because I can think of one movie that this wasn't true for. But 99.9999% of the time, movies getting a lot of hype online, you're going to be disappointed when you go to see it. I, right? think, that, I, I think that's fair, yeah. honestly. The one movie I thought of that that was not true for was uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think that, that movie, deserved the hype. That movie kicked ass. It got hype and it deserved it. And that's yeah. the only one that's ever existed. So, <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, yeah, I definitely really enjoyed that movie. I, I enjoyed the unconventional storytelling, like with the different, very different like acts and like the complete shifts mm-hmm. in tone, how it goes from like horror to like comedy to like horror. The mix comedy. of horror and comedy was really fun. Yeah. The director was one of the dudes from Wise Kids You Know, right? Or like he like mm-hmm. wrote some of their stuff. I don't know if he was, yeah. I don't really remember, but I, I'm here for, I'm here for comedians writing horror like yeah. Jordan Peele which also saw Nope not too long ago I know that's been out for a while I thought Nope okay. was pretty good I didn't see Nope yet I think I probably will at some point but I'm probably not going to see it in theaters to be honest that one was again pretty good like yeah that one was also getting a lot of hype a lot of people were like mm-hmm. oh my god this is the best movie ever no it's not <laughs> besides that Amanda and I always watch X-Files at the end of the day I've never I nice. never watched X-Files when I was younger so mm-hmm. it's on Hulu so it's become sort of like our nighttime ritual like before we go to bed we watch like Aww. an episode of X-Files together so nice very very nice I like I like never like watch watched that show but like I watched it when I was a kid I don't remember a damn thing about it like some people have such a strong connection to it and I really don't remember anything about it but I did used to watch it as a kid but I I um, am sort of anti-David Duchovny as a grown person, so I don't think I could go back to it. Mm. <laughs> He's kind of a nasty man and has been for a long time. I don't know if you ever watched Californication, the show he was not. on. No. I don't want to like shame people with problems, but he like famously was a sex addict, and then Californication is like all about him being a sex addict, and then he is just nasty (laughs) i see and like fucks teens and i don't know it just was really gross to me and um i don't know i'm just kind of anti-decovny now so i don't know if i can go back i think that's totally fair um you know back before all the shit went down with uh kevin spacey if we want to go there real quick Mm -hmm. american beauty used to be one of my favorite movies like i fucking love that movie but like you can't really watch that anymore given yeah given the the subject matter to begin with yeah and it sucks because you know I've, I've talked to amanda about this like several times like i would love to like show you that movie but like there's just there's no need for it honestly yeah. like it's just, it's just not it's one of those things where it's a it's a beautiful piece of art that has just aged so it's so lost poorly. to time <laughs> yeah. so i i think that's that's a totally fair reason to not want mm-hmm. to watch the x-files so yeah support sometimes it's like that unfortunate but true yeah <laughs> but yeah i'll support whoever's journey if you want to have a journey with x files go off <laughs> oh we're in a lot of people are really into it i just can't do the anymore but and yeah i don't i never had any like real i think it was almost like a little too scary for me when i was watching it as a youngster which like i was always watching horror stuff but i don't know it was just a little too freaky yeah they it always get, would play it's freaky it would play that and then unsolved mysteries and then cheaters and i would watch that every night <laughs> good that's a lineup <laughs> That is a power I, lineup. 
But I remember Unsolved Mysteries and I remember Cheaters. I don't know why I don't remember X-Files. Like I must have been traumatized. I don't know. Okay, so you're watching X-Files. Was there anything else? That's about it. Just X-Files and trying to go to the movies more. Hell yeah. Me too. You know, I, I recently canceled my AMC stubs so that I could spend more money at my local theater. Wow. Because <laughs> you know what? That's like two or three tickets worth of a movie at a local theater is how much you pay for an AMC stubs membership. And the concessions are cheaper at my local theater. Hell yeah. By a long shot. By very much cheaper. <laughs> um, and it's just a better theater. So so yeah, I'm trying to go to the theater more too. And I also just got a huge TV for my house. So I can also have a theater I experience. I saw that. Congrats. You can see it right behind me. Massive. What's the inchage? It's 55 inches, but nice. previously I was working with a 30 inch TV. So it's, uh, we'd say three or four times larger <laughs> than my old TV. It, if you hold them up next to each other, I know like the numbers don't add up, but just trust me on this. <laughs> it's four times bigger than your last TV. It's four times bigger than my last. <laughs> so I'm just really happy to have a nice TV finally as a movies guy to have a nice TV in my living room. It's embarrassing it. when people come over for movie night and I'm famously a movies guy and I got this dinky little TV. Oh, we watched Buzzard in your living room. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I got a big boy so next time y'all come through we'll be watching something crazy <laughs> let's go okay so my things that i've been watching <laughs> okay so i watched the good boss in theaters speaking of theaters it's really good actually i was very surprised by it i kind of saw it just like what's playing i don't know this looks less bad than the other things <laughs> yeah and so saw it with that mindset but actually i really liked the movie it's like one of those movies where it gets really stressful and things just keep piling up, you know, but it's also really funny. Things really tie up really nicely. And I just thought that was a good movie. It's really well made. And Javier Bardem obviously is really good in it. And so is everybody. Yeah, I was surprised by how much I liked that movie. The Good Boss. The Good Boss. I watched a movie called All My Friends Hate Me. <laughs> Uh, which was also really good. <laughs> it basically is about that feeling. It's like this guy who goes to, supposed to be for like his birthday, like all of his college friends are coming in and they're all going to stay at this one house for like the weekend and have like a party thing going. He keeps getting that feeling like everyone actually secretly hates me or like people are kind of like weird or stuff is happening. Anyway, uh, this movie made me sick to my stomach. But like, <laughs> oh God. I mean, it's not like, not like it's gross or something, but it just, it gives you that like dread. You know what I mean? Like the sinking in your tummy Ooh, for like the yeah. whole movie. I thought it was just really well done and I, I really liked it. All my friends hate me. What else do I got? One more feature and two shorts left on my list. I watched some of the Three Colors trilogy. Are you aware of this trilogy of films? The Three Colors? Yeah. They're like from the 90s, but they're back in theaters right now because there's been like a restoration or whatever. That's huge right now. People are doing restorations and I support that. redoing theatrical runs. Yeah. No, I think it rocks. I'm not familiar, I don't think. I'll tell you, I had never heard of them, knew nothing about them, but I guess it's like people who go to film school know them or something. Like, I think it's something you have to watch and that kind of stuff. I went and saw, there's a red, white, and blue. Okay, so... When I was in New York a couple weeks ago and I was just like near a theater and I go literally what is playing at this moment that I can go see right now. <laughs> and the red one of them was the only thing playing at that exact time. So <laughs> I went I just went knew nothing about it. Don't know what it's about. Didn't know anything um, except that it was playing at that moment. And so I went and saw it. And actually, it was really gorgeous. Just a beautiful film. It was great to see in a theater. I ended up seeing the red one and the blue one. And nice. I don't know if I'd have the same experience watching at home. But at theater, 
they're just so beautiful. I think they were really great to look at. I also did like the story actually on both of those, but it's just so powerful in the theater because it's so gorgeous to have that huge, beautiful 4K restoration picture. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. The blue one also has Juliette Binoche and I love her. So, and I really liked her story. The blue one I actually liked more, I think. All right, I got two shorts. One of them, I think actually, when I was thinking about it, I think would pair well with the movie that we covered. It's called Haas. It's by Ryan McGlade. I don't even know if I want to say what it's about because it's also something that could be more interpreted. But let's just say there's also an alive guy and potentially a dead guy. And I don't know. It breathes like this movie does, I guess. Like Elle does. I really liked it. And I really like the guy who played... Haas is the name of a guy. I really like the guy Haas. Haas. I thought he was really good. Mm -hmm. So I'm recommending that. Actually, I've been watching Ryan's filmography and... To be honest, you really can't go wrong. Having a great time watching through his filmography. But Haas is one that I particularly liked, and I think it would pair well with Elle, so that'd be a cool one to mention. And then lastly, a little comedy short by Tynan DeLong and Joe Rumrill called I'm Going to Jump the Grand Canyon. This one is short. I think it's like three and a half minutes or something. It's very short, but it is so funny. I'm doing huge laughs. I watch it a bunch of times and I'm just laughing, laughing. Joe is so funny. Tynan is also, I've watched 10,000 of his shorts. So love his work. Also a pal. And yeah, I recommend that. I'm going to jump the Grand Canyon. (laughs) You'd probably think it was funny too, TJ. You should watch it. I mean, I'm I'm very intrigued just based on the title itself. So Okay, that's all I had to watch from this week. <laughs> nice. DJ, oh what you got to plug? Anything? Uh, I'm unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> You're going. You have future employment opportunity, though. Correct? Yeah, yeah. So okay, okay I can I can plug some shit. So I'm gonna be working on the show. BattleBots, which you can find on Discovery and TBS per the new uh, Warner Brothers merger. So oh, we're yeah. going to be on two channels now. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me what what season number it is. I think it's season eight that I'm going to be working on. It's going to be tight. By the time this comes out, you'll be working on it fully. Yeah. If you haven't seen the show or heard of the show, the show is called BattleBots. That's all you need Hell to yeah. know. It's just robots smashing into <laughs> each other. The show is pure dopamine. If you watched it, because like it got revamped. So if you watched Mm. it when you were a kid, not much has changed other than just like the quality of the robots have gotten a lot better over the years, Mm -hmm. just because they're getting better and better at beating the shit out of each other. So I'm beyond stoked to work on it. Hell yeah. I already mentioned my metal band that I play in, Auteur. We're like, we we just played our first show since before COVID hit on Sunday. So we played at down in Fullerton, California. I saw vids. It was Mm -hmm. fucking awesome. Hell yeah, yeah. Like, it just felt so good to play shows again. It was my it was my first mm-hmm. time playing any live show since 2020, like February 2020. So mm-hmm. I've been missing that feeling. So if you are into yeah. like metal, mathy, hardcore type stuff, give us a listen. We are on the internet streaming services. You have old music too. I have old music too. Yeah, I for those who are curious, I used to be in a band called <laughs> House Olympics. And that's how me and TJ met. Years yeah, ago. that's how we met. Kayla used to book our shows and mm-hmm. that, you know, we would play at venues, we would play in Kayla's basement. It was always True. always always good times. I I was I going I was a rocker. It's my deep dark secret. It's <laughs> not dark. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I was I was going through like old photos and stuff the other day, and I like found some pictures from when we did the battle set with messes. And like, Hell yeah! I was just like, oh, <laughs> that was such a great, Aww. that was such a great night. Formative memories. I can't think of anything else I want to plug. Oh, do you want to say like your Instagram or something? Or if your Instagram's private, I guess you don't. I mean, I don't know. You, you can. Oh, one person that I can plug is my girlfriend, Amanda. Amanda is a dog groomer, Mm -hmm. and she is absolutely crushing it right now. So she is working for Jess Rona. And Jess Rona is the dog groomer in like LA slash the entire dog grooming industry. Like she has like hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and stuff. Jess was like the host of the, there was an HBO dog grooming competition show called Hot Dog. I watched Uh, that. Yeah. So she was the host Mm -hmm. of that. Wow. So she has a shop in like Hollywood area. Amanda, you know, ever since she started grooming and stuff, like she has followed Jess and like has looked up to her and everything. Like Jess Mm -hmm. has like online classes and courses you can sign up for and everything. So she's done the courses and stuff. Well, back in like March, Jess like posted that, that her shop was hiring. So Amanda applied and she like went in for an interview it went really well but she wasn't chosen they like went she was like the second choice basically Mm. she found out on her birthday that she didn't get the job and then she killed the first choice and then she killed the first choice no (laughs) the second what happened was then they ended up like having another position open up for like Mm. a dog bathing position and it wasn't exactly what amanda wanted but she was like fuck it i'm gonna do it just so i can get my foot in the door and they just Mm -hmm. offered her that job outright because they were like we loved you so much like if you want Aww. this position, you can have it. So she started working there a few, few months ago, but she has just been moving up so fast there. I am confident that she is going to be grooming there very soon. And I'm so proud mm-hmm. of her. And I just feel I like being the support, the supportive boyfriend, just watching her absolutely crush it with her job. Aww. And sh- she has a dog grooming Instagram account. If you want to follow mm-hmm. that, it's at Andy the Groomer. Mm-hmm. She's like going to like these dog grooming expos and stuff. Like she's. I've seen her Instagram. She looks like she's traveling all over. Yeah, she was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. She was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So she is just like, yeah, she's all over right now. Andy Worldwide. Wow. So I'm very, <laughs> very proud of her. She's, she's doing cool shit. And I'm very happy that I can plug her stuff while I'm unemployed. Hell yeah. <laughs> Well, all right, that about wraps it up for us. So, you know, thanks for coming on. I'm glad I finally got you. Duh. <laughs> I'm glad you're finally unemployed so I can get you on my podcast. <laughs> I know. It's just it's it's just tough with the time zone changes, you know. Yeah. Usually, There's the time zones and then the lifestyle of a reality TV star. Just all I the mean. cocaine. <laughs> It makes it complicated, but I've been trying to get TJ back on the pod for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but we got gotcha, you. All right. Yeah, and that's dude, what's this important. podcast fucks. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> this podcast fucks. Um, just the podcast, though, not me. So <laughs> anyway, glad to have you on, TJ. Okay, bye. All right, bye. <laughs> I'm scared.